Hideo Kojima has been a standard bearer for the very best that the gaming medium has to offer, and has inspired many into creating a mature art form. That guy, like, he's, he's such a genius, and uh, I'm just doing whatever he says, you know, and he's like, we're going to make people cry. And I'm like, for a video game? And he's like, yep. What? Because Kojima is the, the master, he's the Kasparov of, of, uh, of video games. Then he goes, he goes, and I go, playing me? And he goes, no, they'll be you. It's not, obviously, it's not story-driven in the sense that we go from A to Z, like we do in a film. It is out of time, out of space. It is in the moment. So I think the opportunity of, of doing things we've never done before could be very interesting. He is to gaming in many ways uh, what Cameron or Spielberg are to filmmaking. His absolute passion for perfection and his narrative ambition and scope. There is nothing in his stories that he does not love and feel strongly about. You can see strands of action, strands of manga, anime, tokusatsu, epics and existential philosophy. He believes, as I do, that we must cherish this medium not only for the entertainment possibilities, but for its artistic ones. We both believe that these things, these strands of pop culture, are actually keys to the mythology of our century. He proves that an altruistic boy's ambition can sing loud and clear above the din of sameness, and that an individual with conviction and faith can manage anything through hard work. It is my great pleasure to introduce a creator, an innovator, and an awesome dude. Ladies and gentlemen, Hideo Kojima! Hello, everyone. I'm back. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode two of the Death Stranding podcast. It is Saturday, the 21st of October, and there are 10 days until Paris Games Week, 48 days until the Game Awards, and 50 days to PlayStation Experience 2017. I am your regular host, Albert, and today I am joined by my co-hosts. Please introduce yourselves. In any particular order. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, next time I'll say, starting with you, Steve, or something, I'll I'll say that. But yes, this is Steve, everyone, from episode one. Go right ahead, Steve. Hi, I'm Steve. How's it going? Happy to be here again. That's great. And uh, go for go ahead, uh, Ed. Ah, so back from episode one. Happy to be here. Hopefully I'll be here for every episode. At least that's the plan. That's my plan as well, my friend. And we have three, count them, three uh, new uh, co-hosts with us. It's actually a panel episode, and I'm very, very pleased that it took only one episode for this to come together. I was hoping uh, for a panel episode somewhere down the line, but we have uh, Louis, uh, or Luis, rather. And then we also have, uh, let's see, Josh. And one more moment. Uh, let me quickly see. And then we have Daniele oh, from all these different time zones, which I am so grateful to everyone for uh, having kind of timed everything correctly. We'll obviously um, get it smooth and, uh, you know, to a point where we're, we're all doing this kind of smoothly without kind of misjudging any time zones. But please, all three of you, introduce yourself, starting with Daniele. Hello, I'm Daniele uh, from Italy. I'm grateful to be here. I'm a great fan of Death Stranding, philosophy student, and uh, hard worker. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Pleasure to have you, Daniele. Uh, go ahead, Luis. Pleasure is mine. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm Luis, a uh, student of life. <laughs> and, That's great. Uh, I, I do game design, so that's pretty fun. 
awesome. and yeah, just a big fan of Kojima. Excited to be on the podcast this week. Very, very sad that I couldn't be on last week, but uh, that's you know, okay. Hoping for the best. Uh, me too, absolutely. And you know what? Considering how episode one went in terms of audio, we might end up having to record episode one again. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's okay. So go ahead, uh, Josh. Yes, uh, I'm Josh from the UK. Uh, it's pretty early around here, uh, but it's okay. This is the time I usually wake up to shoot up on crystal meth, so I'm all good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just a big fan of Kojima. Um, I'm a computer science um, studier. I'm not even a word, but I'll just make it one. Yeah. Student, I think, is what they call those. <laughs> Stu- I'm pretty sure no. it's studier. That's, just, that's <laughs> what officially is like on my... Um, the email that uni sent me. That's, That's like you can accept it. Listen, look, we don't we don't judge Josh for his choice to use a hardcore crystal meth that causes him to forget English. Okay, we don't. Yeah. Do we let him live yeah, his he, life. He is, he's probably getting it from Heisenberg at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to have you all three. And don't worry, Luis, Luis, Luis. I will make sure not to mispronounce your name. Because if I do, like I said, he's gonna just—he's uh, just gonna hang up, and we won't have that. It'll be sad, the, the worst thing, because we know—we <laughs> know we must get things right. But um, look, a great pleasure to have uh, all—all um, all five of you joining me uh, on episode two of the podcast. So I'll just go straight into the regular rundown, if that's all right. Now, this is a weekly podcast dedicated to Death Stranding, the currently in production up to, upcoming title by Hideo Kojima and Kojima Production. As well as news and discussion on the game itself, we also cover Mr. Kojima's many and varied influences. Everything from literature to film, poetry, television, and more. Our mission is to showcase and celebrate just how culturally, intellectually, artistically, and philosophically enriching and eclectic Mr. Kojima's work truly are, leading up to and following the game's eventual release. With that regular rundown out of the way, let's get the show started. Okay, so we've had a little bit of an opening catch-up with uh, um, meeting Daniela, Josh, Eduardo, Luis, Steven, and Ed. So I'm really glad everyone was able to kind of have a little moment there to sort of introduce themselves. Um, if you've been tuning in, if you, tune, if you tuned into episode one, you'll know uh, that uh, Stephen, Ed, um, and I, uh, we sort of dove into just, again, the very just on the very kind of surface of uh, of what the the podcast is going to be about and in fact we'll i think all remember that first episode as essentially like a glorified test pilot <laughs> you know this one will actually yeah. have bearable audio as uh, i'll get on to uh, later when i'm sort of uh, running through all the feedback we got about episode one um so that's been really good and and so far we've uh, been doing as many of the um, Reddit community have suggested, which is to record audio independently. First of all, I want to say to anyone who did chime in and uh, message through their thoughts and opinions and constructive criticism and and positive feedback, I can't tell you how pleased, and I'm sure I feel okay in speaking on behalf of all of us, how pleased we are that um, we receive such such engaged and and, and useful and, and, and constructively critical feedback because uh, it was actually, again, we never had that expectation. We sort of um, started this up, as I mentioned in episode one, in record time, and I've just been blessed. Again, this was affirmed for me at the start of this very episode when I was, uh, you know, when I saw all five of my other co-hosts pop up to find that they're all, again, we cannot take that for granted. These are people, it's internet It's internet acquaintance making. You, ne- you can never be sure <laughs> that they'll be sane <laughs> 
centered, beautiful, mindful, uh, like uh, actual, apart from the crystal meth guy. But you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, it, how else am I supposed to deal with the weather here in the UK? How like, buy a jacket, no? Honestly, how am I supposed to deal with the UK weather? Sorry, sorry, I had to. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't take that for granted at all. And I, and, I, and I had a moment like this in the last podcast where I just wanted to like acknowledge how awesome it was of the universe uh, to let this kind of alignment of uh, uh, like-minded appreciators of Kojima's work and then just eclectic media and um, a, a wide variety of, of, of storytelling um, formats. Like to, to have that kind of come together as it has is definitely something I don't take for granted. And, and I just want to extend my appreciations to all five of you. That's yeah, I think it's indicative of how engaging this all is, and really, Kojima brought us all together. So I guess we yeah. can thank him too. Yeah, yeah. We have, definitely, and that's an effort most certainly owed, owed to the man himself, and also to uh, Kojima Productions, which um, I actually sent uh, an inquiry form in uh, on a lark because who knows, you know? I I just sort of sent it through. I think it was like an online store thing because you know, once I'm on that role of just. Uh, reaching out to as many people without any expectations whatsoever. I don't know if you know this, um, uh, uh, Daniele, Josh, and Louise, but um, mm -hmm. our first post like was from a low roll, you know, uh, which oh, was yeah, yeah exactly. Um, um, when I think it was nice. the first tweet that we we, we tweeted out, and uh, and yeah, it was it was to, to see that instant recognition was very gratifying. So um, it's been it's been really really good uh, a really good kickstart and, and I've been I'm actually gonna um, do a, a few shout outs of some of the redditors who gave us uh, the most um, uh, the most useful feedback so but anyway we have a bullet bullet list of things to get through so I have a massive yeah. content dump content dump here uh, for uh, so much of what has happened over the past week and and again we we uh, touched on it didn't we um, Ed and Steve that uh, with Death Stranding there's this the, the, one of the things we talked about was how we feel as though the reason why there hadn't been a podcast yet is because, as you noticed with, for example, Yongye, he's he's sort of scaled back his Death Stranding stuff because it's very much, um, he's very much, uh, z uh, this is not no judgment against someone who does this, but um, he's very much zoning into the, the game itself and kind of really closely orbiting uh, Death Stranding, the game uh, itself, and instead of um, kind of expanding that sphere into all these, really uh, engaging and rich and like philosophically rich, intellectually, artistically rich influences, which when that kind of, uh, when that, when that sort of sort of came together of, of realizing that a show would be, uh, or a podcast rather with um, fellow kind of Kojima people from the uh, Death Stranding Reddit, that that would be something really worthwhile. And um, I wanted to also just touch on that as well. And, um, uh, and I can't wait to, to hear uh, our, our three new hosts, uh, Kojima stories. So that's what we began with last week when we sort of uh, went through and I asked um, Steve and Ed to tell me their Kojima story. So if you would please, uh, let's start with Luis, if you could please just tell me um, uh, just a little vignette of, of how you encountered Kojima's work. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I don't know, I guess some people would say it's kind of posing. Um, but actually, when I was when I was a kid, um, one of the first consoles I got was a PlayStation one. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved that thing. Uh, played all the games on it, but there, there was always this elusive game called Metal Gear Solid that I could never get my hands on, partly because I was a kid and, you know, you can't really convince your parents to buy you that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, and then once once uh, I got the PS2, I, I just got like MGS3 and just blew through that and I loved nice. it. Um, and I had been a pretty big fan of stealth games. Uh, before I played Splinter Cell, I played a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, 
but it sort of literally changed the game for me. Uh, so I went back, I played MGS1, and then from then on I was hooked. I played all of the subsequent games, I played everything on the MSX, uh, all of the earlier titles, um, and I actually ended up becoming a professional game designer. And so, um, you know, in my off time from working full time, I've, I've gone through and like remade uh, Metal Gear 1 and 2. Uh, the originals in 2D, and right now I'm working on a Ghost Babel. So that's that is, cool. I had wait, wait to drop a bomb on me on air. I think this is what you wanted. You wanted me to have to interrupt you and say how extremely expletive awesome that is. Actually, no, how fucking awesome that is that you did no, that. Yeah, that is pretty you awesome. Are the that, is pretty awesome. that is incredible. Oh my gosh, Seriously. I can't wait to to see some of this uh, whenever it, whenever I'm in whatever way that I'm able to see some of it. That's fantastic news. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably share it uh, when I feel as it's ready. Uh, I kind of wanted to go about it with the intention of updating those games to 3D, um, but I don't know. Just busy with work, so that, that's life. Cool. Awesome, no problem. Did you want to add anything else before I, we um, head off to uh, Daniele? No, no. I think I've talked enough. <laughs> we'll we'll actually each because it is you know five five people this time i'm actually happy for as long as there's uh again the emphasis is on um comfort and uh, if uh if people have the time i'm happy to let the episode run as long as it needs to run for everyone to get their own um to, to get their own thoughts out absolutely so there's no uh, it's not it's very loose yet structured this thing so please at any point feel free to jump in it's very very democratic absolutely but um Thanks so much, Luis, and we'll go, Daniela, if you could um, elucidate with us your origin cool. story yes. with yeah, Kojima. Um, well, first time I heard of Kojima was at E3 2013, so it's quite wow. recently, uh, where they announced, uh, they showed a new trailer for MGS5, and uh, that trailer was so good, uh, I mean, nice. really good. I, I don't know if you remember that, it was the Red Band trailer, nine minutes long, I gotta say that I actually think that trailer is like the greatest trailer of all time, not just video <laughs> games, but like of all time. I agree. The yeah, trailer is amazing, the, the 2013 E3 trailer, yeah. So That's I was amazing. really impressed with this trailer and I said, well, I need to play this game, but wait, it's Metal Gear Solid 5, so I have to go back and play the others first. So I uh, went to GameStop and bought the... Um, MGS Legacy Collection, which included all of the Metal Gear games, and I finished them all in a matter of two months. Well done! <laughs> was, <laughs> was a full immersive experience, and uh, very glad I did it, because um, later when MGS 5 came out, I really loved it. And then I followed very closely the whole debacle between Konami and Kojima, and uh, Followed yeah. the man on Twitter and everything, so I went. I, I stayed updated to him, and when he announced that that's trending, I knew that was going to be a great game. Yeah, absolutely. Very similar thoughts myself. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Oh well, that's it, Daniel. If you wanted to add in anything else, but otherwise, I will. We'll um. We'll get uh, Josh uh, to tell us his. Is anything else? Um. No, I'm fine. Awesome, fantastic! I'm really glad to have you on the show, man, for sure. As I am for all, all four, as, as I am for all five of you. Okay, so Josh, go right ahead. Right, yeah. So I'm like quite a young whippersnapper, probably the youngest person here. I'm like 19. So okay, um, you're fine. You're fine. 
Yeah, the first time I encountered like Camel Gear game was like I was just browsing the YouTubes as you do <laughs> as a young boy, and yeah. then I saw some people playing um, MGO, like MGS, um, Metal Gear Online Three, because I was pretty into uh, multiplayer games at the time. I was a card kid, so I was like, okay, this multiplayer looks really, really fun. Uh-huh. Um, let me buy the game. So I bought MGS Four on PS Three. Uh, I remember looking at that in Soul Screen of Snake smoking. I was like, why is an old man smoking? I was like, what was this? Did I buy the right game? So yeah, after playing MGO for a bit, um, I was pretty good at it. I was like, okay, let me try the single player component because, you know, I might as well get my money's worth. So I played through about two hours of it and I was like, okay, I need to play the others because I don't understand what's going on here. So I bought the, about a year later when the um, HD collection came out, I bought that and played through all the games and it, really has changed my perspective on life. At the time, you know, as a kid, like, you don't really question, like, the absolutes of the world, you know. You, you take everything at face value. You don't really question reality. But those games really made me think outside the box, you know. introduced me to, like, postmodern principles about just looking at, not allowing, like, truth and reality to be dictated to you, but defining it for yourself. Absolutely. And that really changed the way I think. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even up till now, it's a huge inspiration for like moving forward. You know, That's so that was very, very eloquently put, my friend. Absolutely, and I agree with you on all those points. I think uh, one of the main reasons why uh, Kojima resonates with me uh, so much is because um, of how foundationally impacting his uh, subject matter, his execution, his even his stylistic choices, stylistic choices. Um, they all kind of uh, form this this space, this intellectual, uh, even occasionally spiritual, but mostly just yeah. this, this existential space almost of yeah. feeling feeling free to kind of reconsider um, firmly established uh, conceptions of um, conventional thinking. It's just this, this beautiful space where as well as being commercially accessible as it is, as it has been in order to be able to have gotten to the where it is, um, as, as, as commercially successful as it is, there's this it's it, the, the the true DNA of Kojima's work is in this uh, this sensibility of um, defining things, defining your own path, and um, yeah, I've I've always found that to be the most kindred aspect because to to be able to encourage freedom encourages someone to be entirely who they're meant to be. So I find mm-hmm. that's that's really I re, that resonates a lot with me, uh, Josh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome, terrific. Well, that is uh, what an awesome, uh, awesomely kind of a different riff on on the you know encountering Kojima. You know, a, a, a lot of ours uh, has has been to do with you know. I like how uh, Daniela was like, I only uh, encountered it in 2013. You know, which is relatively recent, which is fine. And then again, that sort of created that domino effect of wanting to investigate everything else because I I myself am like that. Uh, I I. I have that need when something's on the horizon that I'm looking forward to, to make sure that I'm fully prepared so that I can appreciate it on as many levels as I can. And then uh, with a whippersnapper here, let's just put it that way from the UK, <laughs> he comes out as saying that like his intro is essentially out of this uh, being drawn to from the multiplayer perspective, which um, a lot of uh, a lot of Koji Pro's online people are just gushing right now. It's like, really? He he found his interest? He found his interest in our game through the multiplayer? Oh, goodness. And they're just, they're just squeeing right now because you Usually Kojima's kind of in-depth subject matter and all that gets the credit mostly as being the main thing that draws mm-hmm. people. But um, I think that's a really, uh, really good riff, a nice kind of um, uh, different, kind of, uh, intriguingly different approach, which is cool. Mm. That's fantastic. Awesome. Okay, coolies. Right. Well, 
um, as I said, I have a huge content dump uh, for uh, for this week, and I might jump here and there. So again, feel free to jump in with anything that kind of uh, struck you within the past week of um, anything that Kojima's been up to, and we can even use that as launch off points. Again, it's super loosely structured. Was it? Did anything jump out at anyone uh, as particularly just need to bring it up about the show? Um, just anything that sort of anyone's been wanting to to talk about. Um, just off, uh, off I, the bat, I do. Go right ahead. I definitely do. Uh, Eddie, in case everybody needs to know. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> there was a few things. I went down this rabbit hole on YouTube, kind of like our whippersnapper here. Um, yeah. <laughs> where I started watching a lot of uh, not only anything related to Kojima, but I was looking at some of the stuff on the PT trailer and listening to some of the interviews and reading some of the uh, articles posted about Kojima, even the stuff that he's done on Glixel, because I've received those yes. emails. And I started going down this rabbit hole, as I said, about you know what he wants to do next. And I started looking for these gradual changes that have been, you know, they're not in your face, but I started to notice them, especially with MGS5 and those trailers, because with that 2013 trailer, I think it changed everyone's life, whether they see it or not, because it is Absolutely. a magnificent trailer. I even downloaded the mm. song straight from YouTube just to have it <laughs> play in my car. Amazing. Yeah. I'll keep it coming. <laughs> and um, I was watching this stuff and realized that not only does Kojima want, uh, Kojima want to change the way he um, he's developing games and his storytelling, but I think what he wants to do next, especially with Death Stranding, is to really hone down and make the player, the audience in this case, uncom- really uncomfortable mm, and uneasy. And, and that's one of the things that I've been seeing, like, not only with the trailer in 2013, but with MGS5 in general. He's just constantly making us uncomfortable. And that's one of the themes, for sure, in the PT trailer. Absolutely that is just Not a lot is happening, but what is happening makes you severely uncomfortable. I, and think, puts you on I think you're absolutely right. I think when we enter realms of, uh, you know, again, it's that, that notion of being out of your comfort zone and being able to think in different ways and have different visual and uh, thematic uh, stimulus to catalyze brand new realms of thought, brand new realms of, uh, of, de- of de- definition. And for someone who, who does enjoy redefining mediums, redefining uh, the norm, um, it's something that I think he shares that DNA a little bit with uh, David Lynch, where there's that, you, you know what I mean? Like that sense of wanting to put someone in a vulnerable, comfortable, uh, uncomfortable state so that they're raw. It's almost as though if you think of uh, something being malleable and hardened. So if something is hardened and like, again, let's just say the Transformers films, that wall that we have towards those, it's like, you know, and, and you know, unconsciously that you're not going to learn major life lessons from Transformers. <laughs> so you, yeah. end up, you end up throwing this wall of just like, okay, this wall of assumption and your opinions of it are very close and there's not much you can do because it doesn't yeah. present visual and thematic stimulus to catalyze new, um, new kinds and new, new sort of realms of thought and new realizations uh, or even new subject matter. And um, I think that that's one of the most important things that art can do is to put you in a space of discomfort so that you're able to you know, redefine existing um, assumptions about your life and, and just discover new realms of understanding. Um, did anyone else want to riff on that? Well, kind of springing off from that, um, also I've noticed that with Kojima's latest works, like MGS5, um, his approach has been a lot more visual. Same with also PT as well. Like, a lot of the discomfort that you're talking about, it's mainly conveyed mechanically or visually, yeah. uh, rather than just straight-up cutscenes. 
and like exactly. kind of um, it's more he's trying to hone in more to what's innate in gaming, like the conventions and the tropes of gaming to like convey certain themes and ideas. And I think that's true with Death Stranding as well, especially with the trailers, because there's not much dialogue like the other MGS5 trailers. There's not a lot of plot. Yeah, again, those are just teasers that he's showing us so far, so maybe it'll get more scripted, I guess, uh, later on. Point. Yeah, absolutely. But Go right ahead, Daniel. The, the, yeah. yeah. But yeah. They, especially with the Mads um, the Mikkelsen trailer, that was the one that I was like, that made me think that, okay, I think he's going for a lot more visual style of directing for this. Yeah, I definitely agree. And sorry, I said that thing about Daniela because I keep seeing your icon saying it's sort of like throbbing kind of thing. Just wondering if you wanted right. to, to get a word and go right ahead. Uh, it's all right. Um, I mean, I think I was thinking um, he was, uh, as being, being a philosopher student myself, I really appreciated one thing about Kojima, uh, like many artists in different uh, fields, for example, if you listen to a David Bowie record or if you watch movies like Blade Runner, uh, they have one thing in common with the work of Kojima, which is you play the games, you enjoy the games, and then when, you f when you're finished, you think about them and you find more, uh, more meanings to them than you yeah. initially saw at the beginning. Um, that's something I really respect because it's something we always do with philosophy. Uh, you read read something and you find more and more layers to the thought of that person. Um, and the same thing can be done with Kojima games. And I think there are not many video game develop developers who do this. Um, and this, I think, this is another level of storytelling than just telling your story to people and. Uh, giving a simple meaning that everyone, everyone can get. That's right. It, it, count, mm -hmm. it challenges that convention because that is where, you know, as he has been describing, and in fact, it's the Kojima Productions um, manifesto, you know, the, the motto rather is uh, from Sapiens to Ludens. So what that basically means is that he is seeking to kind of reconfigure how the medium itself is. Uh, consumed, as they use the term now, you know, content and consuming content. I, I think that he's been, um, the Death Stranding is kind of the, the result, or it will be rather, I feel as though it will be the result of that sort of a sort of deeply considering where the medium is going and how how much in the similar vein of, uh, you know, Jodorowsky and, and Tarkovsky and, and Lynch, how, how can this medium be kind of rejigged and sort of shaken up to, to catalyze, uh, yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, new... Um, uh, new ways of considering not only the medium that, that's the thing like great storytellers um make you think about the story phenomenal storytellers make mm -hmm. you think about how the medium itself is being used to tell that story and we all know yeah. what happened exactly with psychomantis and uh, changing from one controller to the next and uh, the back of the cd case all these things he's that's where and I, that's where he is and he says i, I want to keep doing that so i can't wait i just can't even fathom uh, what what he's got planned for us for sure yeah. It's um oh sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Louis. Oh actually, actually oh. um whoever decides to speak, go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, Louis, um, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's pretty interesting. Um just sort of like a little aside, but in trying to redefine the medium, I think uh at least not necessarily just Kojima, but games in general, um, it seems that all of these stories that really kind of make you think, uh of course they're coming from a place of 
you know, characters who are people and they're suffering and they're kind of being enlightened in that sort of like uh, sapiens to Ladens thing you were talking about. Um, yes. But also it's, it's all uh, war games, at least from what I've noticed, all of these games have made me think like uh, all of the, the Metal Gear Solid series, um, also like Valiant Hearts, The Great War, and yes. um, this war of mine, they're all kind of using this eternal conflict that's been around like from beginning of time to kind of tell these stories. And I think it's just really powerful because a lot of people don't think about the fact that when you think of like shooters and war games, it's it's all about just killing people. But then they're saying, no, it's not just that. They're, you're looking past it and you, you start seeing those influences from those directors you brought up like Tarkovsky and uh, the others. Uh, I, I, that was just floating around in my head. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> no, I'm really glad. And that's where the sort of title of this episode comes from. You know, uh, sticks and ropes may break space time. That's why I decided to call it because um, by, by going uh, into the most primal uh, into the most primal impetus of, of the human condition, which is to attack and to protect, it's, it's the, that binary of zero and one. It's like uh, zero itself resembles a lasso, a rope, and one resembles a spear. So he's been really thinking about the very core of, uh, of our thinking and the core of the human experience. And um, that's something that I, that I think is, is extraordinary that he's decided to kind of go as, as deep and as profound into it. And he's, he's really stepping up to that. It, it really shows as though he's, he's going to honor, honor this opportunity to tell that um, as, as compellingly as he's been teasing that, it, that he's intending to do. So for sure. But I saw you light up. Um, Steve, did you want to add to something? Uh, I was actually remembering um, the first reviews that came uh, for The Phantom Pain. And how uh, some of the fans were saying that the Phantom Pain was a good game, but it wasn't a good Metal Gear game, yeah. which is kind of strange because, um, I mean, we got guys like uh, Danielle and Josh who played the Phantom Pain first. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people just complain about how different this game was. To me, Kojima's always kind of the guy who takes, who, I mean, he puts a lot of effort in making a different game every every time uh, every time there is something different there and um with the phantom pain was like the first time that i that i really like felt that criticism from people um to me it's something good actually uh it, that every game is different and uh, yeah that's that's uh, you guys made me re uh, re remind that um remember that uh, because uh, yeah it's 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 interesting <laughs> i don't know what Do you, you guys think that? about that Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. And like, yeah, I want to double down kind of on what you just said that it, it was interesting looking at all those reviews for MGS5 when, you know, we were expecting something and we got and that's definitely a theme that we got from each game. We got something that we weren't expecting with each one that came out. Yeah, and absolutely. with that said, when MGS5 came out, I remember playing it just all day and trying so hard to love the game. But because it was not what I was expecting, it was difficult. Like, I was conflicted. It was like, wow, the story is lacking. You know, I don't like this. I was finding so many things I didn't like. But then after turning it off and being done with it, I remember sitting in my living room thinking, what, what just happened? And then I thought, wait a second. I started thinking critically, and it's like, okay, the gameplay was, like, I, I kid you, I still, the only game that plays as well as MGS5 at this point, in my opinion, is Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, um, yeah. I've never, yeah, I've never felt so comfortable with the remote. It was so intuitive. I've never, and that's the yep. thing. 
There was Decima. so many great. Yeah, te- technically that game was a masterpiece, but what was lacking was all the things that we were expecting. Yes. So, it's kind of ironic because uh, it's kind of ironic because that's that's the game where you really feel like this amazing badass soldier spy agent, uh, probably more than any of the other games. And if you know yeah. the twist of that game, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. It's very ironic. It makes it so good because, like, kind of the you know bring back the philosophical philosophical standpoint of it all. You said that you think about it in retrospect and that's how you find these layers and that's what mgs5 is at its core yeah. i stopped playing it and every every day i think about it and find something else that i really enjoyed that i didn't enjoy before yeah that's definitely something special about um that that sense that we end up receiving like a very similar to like let's just say blade runner for example uh, initially there was more than it had its fair share of like detractors you know and uh, it's only in the it's only in the intervening years since that we've recognized that something was ahead of the curve when it came out i think there's going to be um not only based on how the production itself was as we know like kojima had his name taken off the box all these things i think it'll be remembered obviously from that point of view and 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 in terms of the fact that it was the kojima's last metal gear game um and all of that but i think technically uh the Phantom Pain. There's going to be a lot. It's it's all of Kojima's games have lent themselves to um, uh, all of yeah Kojima's games have lent themselves to that sort of analysis in the intervening years since its release. So I wouldn't be surprised if we find out even more um, Easter eggs. Um, that's going to be pretty interesting to see. Actually, one of the subjects. Uh, let me just go over to my my show notes today. Was um, we have a we have this person called Assassin Boss underscore crow who suggested that at one point we discuss each of us sort of give our take on the phantom pain and what we would um, take with us if we were sort of packing the bag going to death stranding land what would we take with us each of us to death stranding if we could uh, and then what would we leave behind so we'll, we'll get around to that um, eventually as well um did before i get on to some of the new stuff did anyone else want to add to um what ed was saying um yeah actually uh Someone brought up something pretty interesting in that uh, MGS5 was what we were expecting. Uh, or, you know, every every MGS brings up, like, what we're... Like, uh, it changes what we're expecting. Um, and then kind of Blade Runner uh, working off that point kind of made a lot of sense because with the Blade Runner film, I don't know if any of you are following how it's doing in the box office, but it's not oh, doing... Yeah so well yeah. it's doing okay for you know like a, a big theater movie um but one of the reasons i'd say at least is because it's trying to do everything that the original did instead of trying to bring in a new audience and then hopefully build off of that and that's the exact inverse of what mgs5 did um at least from my point of view, MGS5 definitely opened up the door a bit. They made the game a lot more accessible, and accessibility is really important in games nowadays, Um, especially if you want to retain a big audience because you constantly have to be flashy or do something different. Uh, They opened up the game at the expense of, you know, maybe the traditional MGS experience with Venom, but then, you know, you are opening the door to people coming in and finding out about Death Stranding and being like, whoa, what's this and bringing new fans in so um it's it's not always super binary mm-hmm. i totally yeah, absolutely for... oh no go ahead yeah i'm gonna just say um 
Yeah, I was gonna say for me, like it seems as MGS Five was more like Kojima just wanted to create something with a, like a stealth game with unparalleled mechanical depth. Then he kind of built the story around that. I think so. For too. me, at least, like uh, the way that the whole like story is all laid out, like it all feeds back into its gameplay. Like you know, Big Boss wants to build his army, so you go out, do um, busy work. Um, and then you recruit more people into your army, it gets bigger. And then as you progress, you unlock more elaborate contracts, which help expand certain elements of like the world. And then because of that, you see, you know, Skullface's plan and the plot develops a bit. And then, yeah. That's right. Absolutely. In fact, that came to me as, as um, I think Ed was expressing, came to me as quite a surprise. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of another game that presented itself uh, in the... Um, in the promotional material as one thing and then and because of how it actually was it didn't do so well you guys remember brutal legend right oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> they just had so, their uh 10 year anniversary actually last week they, they did yeah i sort of watched i watched one of the streams of that one yeah um <laughs> and um and yeah it, it presented itself and in fact the initial level like the when you start that game it very much kind of comes across as just a hack and slash kind of thing and, and a bit open world and stuff. But by the end, you realize that it's about resource management. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and and I found that really intriguing because whereas uh, um, Brutal Legend was, I suppose, not lambasted, but it ended up being uh, criticized for, for it, just that a little bit of a uh, hoodwinking, you know, and sort of pulling the wool yeah. over people's eyes. Um, but with Kojima's uh, title, which is super interesting that it, it actually... Um, you're right. It, it doesn't. Ha it doesn't share some of uh, MGS's core DNA, and in fact, that you could you could really sense that the man was rebelling. He was rebelling via his game, and he had this. That he's always had this relationship with Konami. I feel that was embrace slash reject. You know, he embraced mm -hmm. the idea that his his work was being. Um, uh, was being you know shown to as you know Kojima uh, sorry Konami is quite a quite a significant publisher and it, it it couldn't have been anything else other than like Kojima really appreciating that his work was being uh, you know uh, was able to be marketed in that way and, and shared that way and to become the phenomenon it was just because so many people resonated with it but I'm sure one of the things he rejected which I think ended up in what happened with uh, his you know him dismissing himself or whatever happened when when he left Konami was that um, he he, he he just he couldn't he couldn't uh, he couldn't live with he couldn't he couldn't um, uh, appreciate how um, you know Konami wanted that wanted him to kind of follow that mold and I sensed that when that yeah. clicked for me when that clicked for me Ed and I sensed okay so this was a gigantic explosion of creativity that was meant to to it was it was like the the, the mic drop moment and that's why he was already thinking of PT and I think even the germs of the stranding uh, throughout the production of um of, of metal gear solid 5 we're already like that rebellion that sense of wanting to to break free from formulas i think that that was uh, a core to the dna of mgs and i think because of that that's what um gives uh, the phantom pain its power for me is it's, it's on a symbolical level and also as a absolutely a technical achievement level you know yeah i also think that's reflected in the plot of uh, phantom pain as well like uh not gonna not gonna go to specifics, but basically, you know, the ending it basically uh, renders the all the previous events in the game as you know a side story, basically, like they're <laughs> basically irrelevant for the rest of the, to, for the canon, essentially, you know, because so I think that's like Kojima's way of just saying that yeah, this is his own thing. That's right, you know, exactly. Like this, yeah. yeah. Did anyone want to add to that? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I wanted to respond to Luis. I don't know if you know that, uh, um, but Kojima, in one of his interviews right after he founded the new Kojima Productions, uh, pointed out pretty much what you said. He said he respected very much the artists who um, are not scared of losing their audience because they try something new. I mean, he said literally, you can lose 50% uh, of your audience because you try something new and your fans don't like it, but you gain another 50% from new fans who come in because they're intrigued by the way you approach uh, a new direction to, to your games. I agree. Uh, so that's something he actually said in an interview. Uh, I, I don't know where the interview is, but I remember those words. No, I remember <laughs> them too, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, and what I wanted to add to that, um, uh, yeah, Daniela, was that uh, when I read that, it, it again, it struck me, how, again, it, again, always reinforced my appreciation for, I think the only comparable um, IP or property or creative sort of universe, whatever, that I would say that I have the same level of um, appreciation, both for the content itself and the, the creation and the creator, I'd say something like uh, Star Wars um, for me, because um, mm -hmm. I am equally as invested in both the, the, you know, what's being presented in terms of the story and the world, the universe, the lore, as much as I am, I, like I follow equally. Some, some companies, um, like, I don't see that many people, again, I don't want to make cast aspersions or make uh, assumptions, but I, I would take it that, for example, with Call of Duty, the predominant uh, web traffic of inquiry into Call of Duty is towards its content, not towards the creators. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and that's, again, not um, not saying one one story or one developer superior or worse. It's just that, uh, uh, like, Kojima's work engenders and, and prompts uh, more inquiry into, into the creators into the creation of the, of the of the games itself for sure yeah yeah it's just it depends on not only the audience but just kind of to trail off a little bit on the uh, on a call of duty here i played a lot of call of duty while i was in high school and i had a group of friends that we would meet every single day after school and we would play uh and you can be a fan of both it's just uh in a way it feels like with that betraying of your audience and keeping them in the dark to some things and not really selling a product, but selling um, the meaning behind it. That's you know, right. To be appreciated by people. And then when you change it up in that sense, because with Call of Duty, it's, you know, and not to make a blanket statement here, but it's sort of the same game, just recreated, you know, with fancier yeah. whistles. And yeah, and but people appreciate that, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't take anything away from it because it's you know it's a good formula that's standby, um, and I haven't played one in quite a while because uh, I don't have time, and that's one of the things I miss having the time to grind. <laughs> uh, and that's just one of the things you lose as an adult. But even then, it, it's very uh, it, it's very profound to think that he's as a creator he's trying to simultaneously betray his audience, gain a new audience, but then at the same time train everybody into thinking that what you have in your hands can change. You, you know, that's how life is. It changes constantly. There's no such thing as a mm. constant. Yeah, he's very, very life-affirming, as I stated from the first episode, that yeah. 
again, this man, he decided, look, you know what? I'm not just going to make something artistically beautiful. And like, let's just say, for example, like Journey or Sky or uh, Flower from that game company. You know, I won't just take something of an approach that that has this sort of um, this poetic kind of basis. Uh, he challenges himself to embrace. No, I will have this, but I will also not sh shy away from making this like purely enjoyable from a gameplay point of view. I think that's a huge part of what is kind of what kind of leads to people saying, oh, genius and, and like interdisciplinarian um, just does not sit on his laurels kind of creator. And I really think that someone who decides, look, I think my both sides of my my content, the the internal world, the emotions, the storytelling and and, and the, the, the artistic aspect and the philosophical aspect will be served and is 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 intrinsic to and tied into with the uh, technical uh, and gameplay and game design like he, he he values both of them so so profoundly so uh, on an equal level each that that they, they can't help but end up adding to something that you know has the legacy that it's had and, and that prompts the discussions that it does but yeah for sure cool 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 um yeah uh, if anyone wanted to tie up anything with that i'm happy to jump into some of the news Oh, no, go ahead. Sure, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, we have to, be, we have to be like a really, we have to be like a gigantic Italian family that are always talking over each other. I really encourage that. Please interrupt. <laughs> <at all times. laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, awesome. So there we go. So that's sort of, um, we sort of got the, the recap on where everyone's, I think everyone sort of spoke kind of equally on, on, on the sort of their sort of headspace in, re in relation to what Kojima is doing now and, and, and their uh, kind of connective tissue between uh, Death Stranding and, um, and, and uh, the Phantom Pain. So, but what oh, I wait, wanted to say, there, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. There, there's one thing I definitely wanted to kind of touch on. Um, oh, please and do. I just remembered this when I, when I first started out, how he wants to make everyone uncomfortable, uh, just to kind of like relay back onto that, what I was going to eventually get into, uh, and I forgot, but um, it's that he's actively doing that along with us uh, via Twitter and his interviews. He's, if you think about it, everything he's done up to this date is making us a little more uncomfortable, and not uncomfortable in a way that we don't like it, and in an uncomfortable way that we're just expecting more, and then we don't get it, and then he releases something when we're not expecting it. So he's just constantly playing this, <laughs> this game of, you know, mm -hmm. keep away, and then, you know, look, oh, here's a little snippet for you. Uh, it seems like a teaser. And he just, he's so subtle. And it's yeah. kind of insane, but also really fun. Like when he wore that hat during that. Um, Stephanie Houston, yes. You, yeah, it's just, like, how could you, how could you be a human being that do, does something so subtle, yet it is profound to an entire community of people worldwide? He is and so he is Yeah, absolutely. Because I think he already said that the game has like already started. Like I think that's part of the whole like meta um, of DS or Death Stranding. That's right. Like, yeah. You know, it's going to continue on even up until it release. Maybe even after release, the game will still continue. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I'm fully assured of that. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, who was talking? I oh, can't no, remember. I, was, I think um, yeah, go right. No, I was finished talking. <laughs> no, I was finished talking. <laughs> yeah, we're, I think we're both. <laughs> Terrific. That's cool. Well, I, I am really glad you brought that up as well, because, um, you know, I think, I, yeah, I also, I think, may have, uh, I was, I think, talking to Louise about um, ones and zeros and stuff and, and, and how, how binary the man can be with indulging and yet uh, withholding. 
You know, I think he very much does that. With his story, he indulges, and yet he withholds. With his gameplay, he indulges, and yet he withholds. Um, which, why, like, again, to sort of extend the sphere, I find the most enduring things have everything. That Like, the universe is enduring because it has uh, opposing forces. It has positive and negatively charged atoms. This is getting kind of really broad, but I'm telling you, like, the, how th how something has an impact and, and connects with you on the most fundamental level is when it can cover everything from um, everything from uh, like let's just say a, a really superficial gameplay uh, thing to like shooting birds and uh, all these really intriguing kind of surface kind of Easter egg kind of things really surface level all the way through to um, what Death Stranding is certainly seeming to to pose which is. Uh, a naked man wakes up with like the Schwarzschild radius wrapped around his neck, and we can deduce from that that he may be like a space-time traveler that has this deepest connection yeah. with his most primeval <laughs> self, and that all these sort of really, as you can probably speak to Daniele, these really um, philosophically rich uh, imagery, you know, um, that course. is absolutely so. There's there's definitely that to be appreciated, I think, as well. It's just so many layers of appreciation, and, and that's. I, I, can you guys, you know, you can you can put together why I decided to to, to do this podcast, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really lends itself. To that. Absolutely. Okay, so let's jump into news. You know, so I, I was uh, I was thinking about uh, something he mentioned because uh, you were mentioning this latest uh, Rolling Stone uh, article, oh, oh, where he was speaking about uh, where he was talking about um, uh, Ridley Scott and how he thought. One of the most brilliant things he did with uh, Blade Runner is that ten years after after the after the release of the game, he uh, he made this uh, director's cut, which actually started like the discussion on Blade Runner, as we know it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think he took notes on that. <laughs> I think he took That's... notes on that on how to impress his audience and how to engage his audience with the uh, lore of his games and. and and stuff like this that's right and also i think i touched on this in the last episode i'm very well aware of like for example apophenia which we, a lot of people have have, um, have attributed this to young so apophenia is the human tendency to perceive patterns where there are none um and mm -hmm. and that you can dig you can dig into i could look at an orange for like three hours and then be able to see the core of the universe in an orange you know I, i'm sure that yeah. if if you're dedicated enough you can read as much as you want into anything but um it's a it's a difference between something that innately encourages that or you have to uh you know contrive that like i really for example can't really stomach when people try to contrive extra layers of meaning to seemingly like meaningless things like i love max landis he, he can be quite entertaining but when he said that he posted a 50 page essay on how all of uh, carly ray jepson i think the actor that was like the singer lady and he said all of her, all of her songs, oh. all of her songs. When you read them all together, it's like this dialogue of like, re, like seeking help and like calling out and like seeking, seeking peace after the breakup. And it's like oh. that is that is admirable. But I also like he's got a sharp mind. I would obviously also want him. He can be as free as he wants. He's free to do whatever he wants. But gosh, I want you to to direct that mind to things that could really reward you on a deeper level, man. <laughs> you know. Yes. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm really with you on that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just it's like a lot more easy to like um, start a thought, um, a logical process that way. Like you start with an idea, you already have like a bias, and then you work backwards and try to justify that bias with whatever yeah. you can pick out instead of like doing it the other way around. Like you see a bunch of evidence, 
and then you put it all together, you analyze it, you contemplate, and from that contemplation, you can start to actually see an idea of what it could mean. You know, but that's a lot harder, so, so, you know. No, I agree, and I, we've 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 known, I'm sure, in our in our time of you know being part of uh, the Kojima slash Death Stranding slash Metal Gear Solid kind of community of people who resonate with the work that um, we've obviously all had our fair share of encounters with people who uh, who 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 die who yeah who who take that to the extremes. And as as I was saying, like if you if you go into extreme, that just won't last. You'll fizzle out, and you need to be able to foster a and cultivate a more. I mean, this is me. Look at me saying, you need to do this. No, no one needs to do anything. But I always find like you get the most out of life when you're able to see everything 360 and appreciate both inwards and outwards and, and be open to exploring uh, these realms, um, all these diverse kind of things for sure. But yeah, go yeah, ahead, I think. A, yep. That's part of like a, a deeper topic almost with, um, with perspective. It's like with any kind of artistic work that you're creating is... Are you are you trying to influence the perspective of people who are playing it? You know, having everyone who's playing it get the same sort of general idea that you have, or the opposite? Are you trying to only make this thing for people who already think this way? That cultural or like intellectual elite, uh, or at least like elitism to a certain degree. It's a uh, that's true. You can't you can't place it without deciding oh i'm gonna fall into this category or that category and not being open-minded to you know the other like completely different intentions the developer may have absolutely i Uh, absolutely agree i think go ahead i think daniela would did you want to say something no well just to elaborate on that i think prejudices are not necessarily a bad not necessarily a bad thing i mean we need them to get to know something so i think i think when you are a developer or a creator you have to keep that in mind because uh people are not going to lose their prejudices prejudices are needed for our knowledge so (laughs) i think that's something you have to keep in mind still being open to innovations and stuff you don't know but uh, something stays with you yeah that's kind of my issue with um the new the latest Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, is like the developers, they really wanted to be impartial, maybe a bit far too impartial for my liking about like the whole stand their whole stance on um racial segregation. Mm. And then they were just like, you know, these two sides that exist, you're either racist or you're not. They just kinda left it at that. Like we're not gonna make any judgment. You you know, you should obviously know which one is right. But right. at the same time it's like, you know, as the artist you need to put your foot down and be like, okay, this is my piece and I want to express something. I think a lot of the better works are the ones that they, you can see the creator was like, okay, I have a strict um, worldview. I have a strict um, way I want to present this idea. So I'm going to present it the way I want. Mm-hmm. And like you make up your own assumptions. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that plays off on um, people's convictions, you know, especially when it comes to artists in every art form. You know, whether it's a musician, a game developer, um, and just to give a pretty good example of like what you made me think of just now, when a musician makes an album, mm-hmm. at least from what I think, any musician that I've listened to growing up, their first album is usually, people always say this, like, oh, their first album is the best, and it's always going to be that way. <laughs> like, yeah. When you think about it, their next album, when they change their sound, is like, oh, they don't sound like they did before, this is ridiculous, but then... <laughs> 
Uh, I go back and listen to some of the old albums of artists that I used to listen to, and then some of the new stuff. I start re- I start visiting it, and it's like, wow, they've changed over the years, and so have I. But they do make these, you know, these these small little decisions that will still hold on to these old ideas from their old songs. And yeah. you know, I know this is a bit of a stretch here, kind of like how we were talking about earlier. It's a bit of a stretch, but even with The Witcher, uh, mm. I remember playing. Some of the characters have these really, you know, there's some very ignorant characters, but there's depth to them. So you understand their prejudice. And at the same time, you still have to decide, well, am I either going to betray this guy because I don't like his ass? Or am I going to help him out as long as I can because he can really benefit me in this way through gear? And then kill him yeah. later. You know, like you can make that decision ultimately. But it still has to do with understanding that people have convictions and prejudices and yeah. your own decisions and either coexisting with them or making a decision that will be harmful or beneficial. That's right. I will just say, jump in here. So has everyone seen Blade Runner 2049? Yeah. Uh, I've seen it three times. Yeah, I'm probably going to see it for a fourth time today. I, I still have not. <laughs> you still haven't seen it? I still have not. Okay, that's oh, fine. No. That's all right. Ed, oh my gosh, Ed, I'm going to like, catch a damn plane and crash tackle you down. Man, you need <laughs> to see this <laughs> thing. I'm actually sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay all right well, all, I, all i wanted to say all i wanted to say is actually this isn't isn't spoiler at all but um basically one of the things i took away personally from that was thinking about um uh the idea of you know an artist putting and this is villeneuve as well we can just say that but an artist putting some of themselves or they always put themselves into what they make um Kojima, I think one thing we can all agree on is that he is a student. I think who said it that they like their sign on was "I'm a student of life." That was you, Louise, wasn't it? Oh yeah, but I was just parroting whoever went before me who said they were a student <laughs> of philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but the thing is, I'll, I'll I'll run with that because a student of life. Uh, there's this um, concept that I talk with my girlfriend is a uh, she's a um, a life coach, and her and I sometimes riff about the difference between a teacher and a mystic. Now, a mystic is, I would say, someone like David Lynch. He's he's very couched in his own sort of enigma of, of his own existence, and he 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 likes that, and and he and he um he kind of really only sort of uh, accepts people into that space and sort of spins whatever he spins, and then they leave, and that's the essence of the mystic. The essence of the teacher is an evolution of the essence of the mystic, which is to have gone there, to have inhabited that space of an alternate way of thinking, alternate way of feeling, and then to have this desire to want to share that because again, innately we are connected and innately we communicate. As humans, we're a social, we're a social species. So there's both mystic and teacher to Kojima. And I think when he, as he, we see on his Twitter, he's constantly active with Twitter, constantly active with letting all of life in, whether it's media. And I think there's, I think The Garden of Sleeping Giants is a novel that I'm gonna have to look into, which he's reading now. Um, and uh, his traveling is this, 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 the determination that defines this man is a determination to accept all of the world within him, uh, sort of funnel it all in and then see what comes out. And, uh, I don't, I, once, once again, as we were talking in episode one, it, 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 it doesn't strike me that anyone else out there is as, is as fervent with sharing his own experience of wanting to let everything of life in as, as he does. I, I'm sure there's like, you know, Ken Levine and, um, Fumito Ueda, who designed, uh, you know, who made The Last Guardian, and, and that, you know, these names that come to me, and Shigeru Miyamoto, I'm sure they're all in their own way multifaceted people. But he, you can, you can see that Kojima is like, he's got these lit this fire under himself to want to 
to want to drive that home and to and to really want to communicate that in both how he conducts himself and, and in the content of his games. And you were saying something about prejudice as well. He knows that, referring to the title of the episode, like sticks and ropes, he knows that, look, most people have used sticks. And he's like, there will be sticks in Death Stranding. We will be using guns. We will be using uh, weaponry of some form. But he said, within, like again, couched within that prejudice, as you were saying, Daniela, when you have that yeah. at least a, a, a semblance of, of steady ground of, of shared um, shared experience and comfort zone, because we are, we, we're not being shown something 1000% abstract. Like we can relate to a man waking up on a beach. We've seen that in movies before. We can relate to a tunnel. We can relate to um, Cetacean Stranding, which is the Death Stranding. Uh, all these terms are uh, something that we are able to kind of cognitively understand but then when they're strung together in the, in the sequence that they are um like it, that's that's the magic that's that's when we can make take these dives all together as a community and as groups of people as we are now um into into really just like like blasting our own blasting the top of our heads open and just saying what could this all mean you know literally so uh, did anyone else want to sort of riff with that i think you put it pretty well yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. Okay. Well, that, there you go. So no, no, twenty forty nine spoilers there. Uh, in that case, we can't really. I mean, we can touch on. I think knowing that one one of us hasn't seen it, I'm I'm sure it's an unspoken thing. No one's going to just jump in and spoil anything, which I'm again super grateful for. I tend to think of this this environment of uh, kind of uh, uh, sort of communicating with um, like like minded people to be almost like a little shelter away from. From the from some of that, I'm I'm okay. Ed, just please tell me, have you been spoiled of the story? Have has anyone spoiled it for you? Well, has oh. he read the article? Because has the you, article yeah, exactly. kind of yeah. So um, I started to read the article and realized I should not. Uh, and nobody spoiled the movie just yet. I've just I've literally I'm not kidding. You've just been working this yeah. entire time. I haven't That's really right. spoken to any of my friends or even. <laughs> I'm grateful uh, for your work. I'm so glad. Um, really Ed, this is this is Empire Strikes Back levels of. This is once in a, or only a handful of times in a lifetime will we see something so beautifully acknowledge the original and yet evolve it so naturally and intriguingly and, and in a way that creates its own identity. And not even as a, it's like, it is a Denis Villeneuve movie, but it, it's, 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 um, I, I, I'm struggling apart from obviously Empire Strikes Back, I'm struggling to think of a, a sequel that did what this did, you know, so yeah. Fury Road, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you even just do oh, that? Yeah. Mira! <laughs> you know how he's, he keeps saying Mila as in, like, George Miller. He's like, Mira! It's <laughs> so funny. Okay, dokie. Well, I'll just, I'll, I'll just, like, just so I can know that I've updated them, just my OCD. Um, we have launched, I mean, I have, rather, without any of your permission, I have uh, selfishly, uh, on a spur of a moment, launched the unofficial, totally fine if you don't follow it, uh, first global Kojima film festival. <laughs> um, if, if any of you, do, uh, does anyone know about this from the Instagram or anything um, on the Reddit? Anyone familiar with this? No, no I'm not. I read Just about it. Yeah. Okay, this breaks my heart because it means that I have no concept of social media presence, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, uh, that's fine. So basically, I did a very quick Google, actually. It's pretty easy to find. Again, it's very rare that someone this cryptic and this uh, uh, sometimes obtuse um, uh, as he wants to be with, with his how his games are to be you know, in, in, interpreted. Like, I'll take a little divergence, a uh, little, little tangent right now. Does anyone remember when everyone was like, 
don't you dare, guy, like, Kojima, don't try and tell us that that first Death Stranding trailer isn't literally you expressing your deepest grief over being torn away from your baby, which was Metal Gear Solid. You're waking up naked on a beach. You have these palm prints all over you, as in, like, Kojima, and everyone's tried to take ownership of you, and now you're waking up, and you see these five oppressive figures. The five years it took to create Metal Gear Solid Five, Metal Gear Solid Five. you can't tell us that this oh. isn't pure pure dream imagery or pure symbolistic imagery um, symbolic and he just said i don't know maybe <laughs> yeah can i can i say I, I really hated that i mean yeah. i like people making up theories and reading into stuff but sometimes they just push themselves too far yeah and... a cigar is just a cigar you know they say the same thing about pt yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's saying like, like well. these um, these yeah. these audio recordings have this meaning. I mean, it's actually Kojima talking to Konami and something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I see the, the line of thinking we're starting to go through. Yeah, it's. I, know. I think with with definitely stuff like PT and everything, people get way too caught too up much. in the theories that they don't get to actually appreciate the art, which True. I I think is pretty important. So. I agree, yeah. yes. Absolutely. And what were you saying? Sorry, Daniela, go ahead. No, I just, um, I mean, yeah, what, what Lewis was saying, essentially, so uh, you you get so much into theories, you're losing the actual experience, and not considering that Kojima really wanted to move on after the Konami debacle. And uh, you could see that in his interviews. Uh, he did an interview with... Uh, I think it was Greg Miller, and when Greg asked him about Metal Gear, he said he interrupted him and said, "I don't really want to talk about Metal Gear." Absolutely, <laughs> so, absolutely. And in it. fact, a lot of the time we can end up uh, what is called um, projecting or, or like just painting our own idea mm -hmm. based on what we are mm -hmm. we're thinking exactly and reading into it. Um, uh, you yeah. know, from from a place of being self-absorbed with your own interpretation instead of being open to a brand new one. And that's what he's continuously insisted it is, um, you know, for sure. Brand new. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah sorry, uh, I, I think some people yeah, just can't uh, let go, uh, just can't seem to let go of Metal Gear. I mean, that story, <laughs> we should consider it to be over. <laughs> it really is. And both both the, the lore and personally, I don't, I don't think anything Konami does from here on with the lore of Metal Gear will actually count really as Metal Gear. I think I've uh, unconsciously, like with Revengeance, for example, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll that can straddle a line of whether it's part of it. But the guy made, um, he made, uh, I think the total number of like Kojima authored Metal Gear titles was, is that seven of them? I, I believe there's... Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, and then Peace Walker and Portal Portable Ops. That's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then there's Metal Gear Acid. Oh, Acid, Acid yeah, the offshoot. Did he make Portable Ops? I think he. I, I think he. Else. I think he provided the the story outline, but yeah, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By him, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. No didn't, he, didn't he say it wasn't canon? The Portal Walls one. <laughs> he said the parts of it wasn't like the parts that don't conflict with the existing uh, timeline yeah. thread um, narrative threads. Then, yeah, yeah, those are canon. 
coolies. But yeah, as as Daniela was saying, you know, and I actually I'm really glad you jumped in there with that. But um, I think the main thing I was saying was that the guy, um, as for being someone as cryptic as he is, he, he also shares a lot of, of, of what he's um, of what he's doing. And uh, speaking of which, yeah. um, he's been uh, retweeting a bunch about Walking Dead. Um, he has, uh, you know, retweeted some of the fan art that I, I, I'm still aghast at how firmly the iconography of Death Stranding has been um, entrenching itself with only two trailers to its name. Um, I find that very uh, a, a great testament to, to Yoji. I think um, uh, you know he's doing. Oh, yeah. It. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's um th- again. There's this sense of even even so many years after they've they've just never. It's like it's he's he's like allergic to sitting on his laurels. I think him and his team, you know, and um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and also Kenji Yano from the. I need to always remember that I never forget this guy's name because um. I, I really appreciate a lot of what he's contributed to the the video tube, the Hideo Tube series, like his oh, yeah. film selections. Yeah, he's he's um, I think he's essentially co-authoring um, the script of uh, Death Stranding. Yeah, Stranding, right, correct? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I'm also really intrigued about him too, because again, this is the most public that he's been about having a collaborator. It's the most public he's been about anything, and I find that dichotomy really interesting. <laughs> it's it's the most public he's been about something that he's telling no one about. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, so. he he recognizes that um, he's there for the fans because uh, he he loves his fans, and he founded Kojima Productions as a video game uh, studio uh, based on what the fans' reaction was to him um, getting out of Konami and stuff. So he he really he's being he's been trying. He's been trying to be open, as open as he can, without spoiling anything, because uh, he did that mistake a little bit with Metal Gear Solid V. I mean, when the game came out, we had already seen most of the cutscenes, so... Yep, totally. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's one of the great issues that I have towards um, The Phantom Pain. We, we, we saw a lot uh, before yeah. the release of the game. Yeah. So I think uh, he's trying yeah. to avoid that to uh, avoid that this time with that trending. Yep, he's trying to uh, show us a, as little as it can, while at the same time trying to be as open as it can about it. Yeah, and as you said, creating that frustration, which is also it ties into that sense of wanting to catch us perfectly off guard uh, and uh, creating that discomfort. Because again, we're so used to it. I think it's um, uh, occasionally to the detriment of us, of our society, that we have this um, this uh, culture of expectation and of, of everything appearing in our feed whenever we want and having as much as information about something as we want. And um, I think uh, taking a, a kind of gentle but firm stance against that in how he's and a playful stance as well. He plays with that as well like he'll he'll tweet he'll tweet cryptically about um i think it was uh the the, the wooden horse um from uh, what was that thing uh actually you know what i'll cut that out um yeah he, yeah exactly um so but here's, the thing. Uh, here's the thing um here's the thing so and what you know what's magical about podcasts is that you can edit things and we're in a good place right now because <laughs> i can edit all of this out right all right but here's the thing um what what I was basically tying that into is that he uh, he 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 feels he feels comfortable sharing as much as he has with with his process. And you guys read his uh, Patterson Life uh, tweet. I actually shared that uh, in the form of a uh, um, sort of a dedicated post on the Instagram. You guys read that? Yeah. Uh, I have. That's okay. I'll read it. I'll read it for you guys um, uh, for the ones who haven't read it. So basically, Patterson is this film that is stars. Um, uh, Adam Driver. Oh, like Kylo Ren. 
place. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And essentially, it's a very it's a simple story about a man who has a fairly simple daily routine, and his name's Patterson, and the city that he lives in is Patterson as well. So this is uh, Hideo Kojima. Obviously, loved the film, and he said. I'll just read from the Insta, the Death Stranding podcast Instagram. So here is my Patterson life. I wake up at the same time every morning. I go to work. I have a morning meeting. I work on the concepts and the script. I have lunch. I give direction. I write the script. And then I have dinner. Then I give more supervision. Then I go home. Then I watch one movie. I read the, a book before bed. And I tweet in between. <laughs> I am always I am always thinking of the ideas in my mind, even in the toilets or at the dinner table. So three quarters of my day is dominated by game creation. You know, so and I found that really I find that again it's he's sharing just about everything else apart from uh, proper details, which I find generates the most. Uh, we've lost that. We've lost that since the old days. Like he's trying to kind of create a simulation of the 80s. Do you remember in the either 80s or in your case, um, uh, Josh, you know, early 90s, let's say, where the things were just not as available. And we, and we, our imagination stepped in to do the rest. And we as a society are imagining less and less because we constantly, constantly have that dopamine uh, influx. We have this thing, you know, I actually was thinking about nomenclature and the power of words. We call these things mm. that we scroll up and down, we call these feeds. Well, feed is also yeah. what you call what you give to a pig to keep them like mm. hungry, like like fat and complacent. Yeah. So we have this yeah. feed and then we have this content which makes us content, you know? Mm. Like I was just thinking uh -huh. of these words that we're, we're starting to, it's very, it's very Orwellian, the fact that we're letting some of these things into the lexicon and uh, we're not um, we're not thinking about the impact that that's having, and uh, and I think that uh, he's taking this kind of again he's giving us plenty of feed, but there's nothing related to the game itself. And what that's doing, it's leading to things like this podcast itself from coming together to to to, to explore not only that in that meta way, you know, to, to kind of build on that, um, and then also to explore his influences and everything that kind of led to the uh, the, me, the 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 man and all of ourselves. I feel I can already sense without even having gone too in depth with uh, with as, as many of you, that'll, that'll happen over the next few podcasts, I'm sure, definitely. But I, I can automatically sense from all of you that there's this sense that you appreciate um, a wide spectrum of stuff, uh, of, of different content. And uh, and I think down the line, I'll definitely want to make um, a topic of, um, of what from other games you feel as though could benefit i think we talked a bit about witcher um i actually have just jumped into breath of the wild which i <laughs> because i'm doing this podcast i'm like i can really see kojima wanting to incorporate some of breath of the wild into what he's doing you know yeah. and what, can you guys can you guys speak to that and I, before i go into it, what do you think could possibly be served by uh death stranding incorporating some of what breath of the wild is doing well you know um first thing that comes to my mind is that Breath of the Wild is an open-world game, and it's been basically confirmed that that Stranding will be an open-world game. Where you can um, do supposedly anything. He keeps saying that you can do anything. I'm like, well, Breath of the Wild yeah. lets you climb any mountain, so maybe that's the same. But yeah, go ahead. And one of the things that was really appreciated by uh, the people who played it about Breath of the Wild is that it was a, a kind of gigantic open-world that didn't feel empty. You felt like you had a lot of stuff to do. You uh, were really engaged in this open world, even though it was so massive, which is something really difficult to do. And I think Kojima will try to do the same with this new Death Stranding. Yeah, 
do you guys think there's going to be a thing with maybe portals where there'll be multiple open worlds occurring at the same time, um, really pushing the PS4 to its limits and that you'll be able to dip into almost like three or four different versions of Hyrule, if you want to put it that way, where um, this, you know, central character, let's just call him Norman, because as Ragnaroks, you know, the analyst says, he, let's just keep remembering that he, he's... he's uh, repeatedly insisted that we're playing as Norman, which is again a, a kind of a mindfuck on its own. It's like, but hold on a minute, uh, you're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me we're playing as Norman Reedus, the guy, you know? And he's like, "Yep." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, what, what does anyone yeah. actually have to say about that? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I don't th- um, personally. I don't think that Death Stranding will be um, copying. Well, not copying, but like taking inspiration from Breath of the Wild in terms of like uh, world size. I think that the world will be quite small, like the levels will be very open-ended and it'll be more of a sandbox. Like okay. you will be able to interact with the uh, map in ways similar to Breath of the Wild where you could basically, you're giving free reign on how you want to use the tools you have to complete a specific um, self-driven goal. Yeah. Like, um, no, I, yeah, I you want to like kill an enemy a certain way that will use up less resources, like won't break your sword in Breath of the Wild's case. You know, you can do something else, like but no, drop a rock on an enemy's head with the magnet thing. It's like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, totally I totally agree. agree. And, and I wanted to put in my two cents on this one too. I also don't think that it'll take too much from Breath of the Wild, but if there is anything that should be taken, and I think that might be the case with Death Stranding, would be something on the lines of uh, crafting. Oh, yeah, uh, crafting. We haven't seen as yeah, much just, of that yet. Yeah, we oh, haven't yeah. seen that in any Metal Gear game. The closest thing we got was in-game currency and trading, you know, with, like, Drebin in, in Metal Gear Solid 4, and then Mother Base in... You're collecting and harvesting, but not actively crafting. Yeah. So I think he might... There might be some sort of crafting, and if we're lucky, a little bit of RPG elements. Well, Kojima did say that you can, like, um, put Norman in different outfits... Yeah, that's true. So, that's been confirmed. And that's kind of what's leading me to believe that there's going to be some sort of crafting. Because if you can craft your outfits and your weapons and then use your weapons in different ways, because he, if you think about it, he was trying to do that in MGS5 with yeah. you know, making a tiny gun that can shoot missiles. You know, you, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's totally. Totally. it all up. But it's, it, um, oh, yeah, sorry. No, it'll just be great to see if there is some sort of crafting involved. I wanted to make sort of two quick points before we got too far. Um, yeah, uh, you were talking about the actual portals and, you know, going to other worlds. And I just found that interesting um, just because I don't know if anyone caught this, uh, but the Decima engine actually is super optimized for that kind of thing. Uh, you know, navigating around the open worlds. I don't know if you've seen the GIFs. Uh, but it's able to cull the world as you're looking around. So yeah, that might that be, yeah. yeah, that might be the exact kind of thing that we wow. should be able to expect. And then um, at least from the Legend of Zelda perspective, if uh, Death Stranding is going to take anything from Breath of the Wild, uh, there's this thing that some designers like to say that uh, if you're making a game and you're not copying, uh, copying like Ocarina of Time, uh, you're lying to yourself. So every, everyone is taking, everyone, whether they know it or not, is taking some sort of element that they found, you know, pleasing, whether it was super self-conscious or just 
explicitly uh, from one of the 3D Zelda games, just because they have that kind of influence. So uh, it, it, not like a stupid question, but it's totally like, yeah, it, it's going to happen. We're going to see it. And as soon as we yeah. see it, it's going to pop out in our minds to us immediately. I, I completely agree. So yeah, do you play I, like different versions of the open world in Breath of the Wild? I haven't played the game yet. Oh so, yeah, I'll I'll say like um well actually no that's one thing that um that um, even though there's obviously weather effects that does uh, uh you know and that's another thing we haven't even thought about that you know Decima Engine they've insisted like yeah this is terrific at weather effects and um, that's also an interesting thing to consider because uh, if we're talking about time travel which seems kind of possible with like this Swashad radius and some of these physics um you know things alluding to and and you know obviously Kojima's love for interstellar and he's like I think uh, Kojima Productions I looked I was looking all the way down I sort of just went on a deep dive into the the reddit and I saw that uh, Kojima Productions retweeted someone who said okay that's it we've called it it's over we realized that uh, Death Stranding essentially is the interstellar of the game okay it's like that's it. <laughs> Everyone, and, and someone was like okay close down the reddit we figured it out and um someone posted that reddit post to kojima productions and they retweeted it and they liked it <laughs> so and i was like okay well you know what again not doing a contrived reading into a tweet too much but it clearly sort of vibed with them and i could see uh time travel as being definitely uh, implemented and i think if we're if we're talking about how you know kojima he hasn't experimented with time travel yet i don't think in, in his in his titles correct like um, well, other than the time paradoxes yeah 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 and that's that's where i'm gonna have to say that i disagree um okay. and that's not only because uh i want to allude to the phantom pain in the sense that he does touch on portals in that sense oh yes oh yeah so i think that it has more you know a lot less to do with time and more to do with uh space time and i know we talked about this a little bit in the first episode but just on the idea that the the multiverse as opposed to time traveling that's um, true. And being yeah. able uh, okay. to travel that's dimension fair, to dimension fair. as opposed to back and forth in time. Okay. Yeah, mm. it's just something that when I thought about the, the weather and it's like, well, if I was, uh, let's just say I'm playing Death Stranding in 2019 and I'm floating through space because that's a mechanic and I know that my next mission is, on, is in so-and-so dimension and I need to access this dimension at this certain point of time. Uh, in its seasonal oh, thing I or something. Yeah, I and I was like, okay, well, if he is able to, you know how... Um, with the uh, the phantom pain he was able to smoke that cigarette cigar until the right time uh, of the mission like at night time or, or whatever he, he waited for like a desert storm to arrive i could just see what would be the evolution of uh, the phantom pain's uh weather mechanic with um approaching missions and um also whether or not there will be a mission mechanic because um although i know that he's going to take some ingredients from uh, the phantom pain because i you could see that like he he was really being drawn to that in fact it's one of the first things he said about what the stranding will be is that it will be open world and you can see that he has that bug and, and that's what i think why he ended up being with decima um, and why he was drawn to herman and um, and, and gorilla games but yeah. That, but but yeah, I'm really glad you jumped in there because that kind of tempers me a little bit, and uh, it's it's quite possible that it's going to be more of a space time thing instead of just like uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah and I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, open to either idea. Yeah. You know, I wasn't just saying that like I hardly that you just hard disagree. It's just I'm I'm just being speculative, and I want to you know not. No, Ed, get my, Ed, Ed, you've completely well, offended me. I'm not going to be speaking with you for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, coolies. Well, you know what? I'm really glad with, uh, we just sort of, again, I have, I always have the show notes. I tend to, um, 
I, I one thing I forgot to do was to upload them to the Google Drive. Also, uh, something I've been jumping around with is um, I didn't give a, a test phone call to uh, our three new uh, hosts. So I just wanted to say, again, in the middle of the podcast, to say, really appreciate how, again, we didn't do any audio tests. Uh, we, we sort of called beforehand, obviously, in the sort of green room pre-show kind of thing. But I appreciate mm-hmm. you guys uh, jumping in, just sort of gung-ho. We didn't do a preview call or anything. And um, it's been going really well so far, and I appreciate uh, everything. All, both, all three of you have something very singular to, to say and um i also appreciate that we all kind of have our own interpretations of it so i just wanted to say thanks for that well thank yeah, you for having us yeah, yeah that's cool awesome well you know we're at an hour and 30 i'm just going to do a little time check with everyone um how are we doing and are you happy to kind of kind of keep exploring a few things or where's everyone at with time and with levels of sleepiness <laughs> well it's still uh, early in the morning here so good. no problem for me Okay, cool. Well, then I had another thing I wanted to talk about, which is, uh, if you think about it, I've been on the giant, the, the hugest tangent ever because I, I brought it up about 20 or 30 minutes ago, the Kojima Film Festival. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, there's something that I know that's talk about strands. I was like, I was just adrift and I finally tugged on my sort of strand back to the spaceship of the original topic. Okay, cool. So, the Kojima Film Festival was something that between episode one and episode two, it just sort of occurred to me that the basis of this show, as I'm sure uh, our th- three new uh, hosts have probably read here and there about what this mm-hmm. show is essentially about, and in the rundown as well, I allude to it, is that I think the bulk of the show won't be so much couch. Like, we're obviously getting a lot of it out of our chest because it's the first few episodes, right? But yeah. I know that at yeah. one point, um, as, as can be seen by... Um, just the, the state of the Reddit at the moment. Uh, you know, we had that Neil Blomkamp thing. We had, at the moment, we're, we're just a little bit, um, we're just waiting on uh, on some of the official releases. And I'm totally fine with it. In fact, I, I actually have no expectations uh, about uh, even sending, seeing anything for the rest of the year. I count down to the events, obviously Paris Games Week, the Game, uh, the game Awards, and um, uh, PlayStation Experience. I still have no expectations yeah. that he'll show up. In fact, it would be very Kojima of him to not show up. <laughs> You know, mm. um, so and I just thought, well, a natural evolution of this entire endeavor, which is the essence of it, is that Death Stranding represents him really diving back into his own influences, uh, even more so than he was able to do with MGS. As we remember, he he stepped into MGS. It was already in development in at Konami in the eighties, and um, yeah. oh, he certainly made it his own. But he didn't create that premise. And if you think about it, in a way, even though he was absolutely being a what he was able throughout the series to express brand new ideas we have only ever really seen him operating from a basis that was something that wasn't made by him so if you think about it in terms of like the analogy of drinks it's like this is pure undiluted on the uh, the rocks (laughs) like undiluted um kojima and what i wanted to say is uh i mean uh talking about the kojima film festival that will be almost as a way of kind of priming us for anything that might enter and then that the, the sort of um the sort of safety nut this is the safety net of that is that these films like this collection of films unto itself is perfectly worthwhile and even if i didn't have this podcast i would i would take it upon myself to see like uh, many of them if not all of them because when i read the synopses and, and the ratings the imd imdb of some of these titles um I, I'm taken aback by how like worthwhile and beautiful they seem. Like for example, um, of his top five, he has this film by Akira Kurosawa called um, Heaven and Hell. Are you guys familiar with this Akira Kurosawa film? Yes. Yeah. 
Indeed, yeah. And so what he talks about in the sort of IGN video, which I think I posted a link to on the Instagram, is that it was a film that it's about a kidnapping, an abduction. And what the, the, the film resonated and had such an impact that Japanese law was actually changed because the film highlighted a, a big either loophole or just like a, a negligence in, in then existing Japanese law that allowed these things to happen. And he said, that's that one's always stuck with me as um, an example of a piece of art, uh, like a film that was able to actually affect the real world, you know, and, and actually mm-hmm. put like permanent positive changes into the world and it's like i've always tried to embrace that so um when i when i started seeing that this man you know just through the just through the just through the essence of being himself really has kind of just gathered these this kind of collection of films and when i went into them into the list that there's various ones there's the list of 15 films that influence metal gear i didn't so much look at that i looked at this old article again the older the better because we we can we can see that this is his long long awaited opportunity to to express his full um, his full suite of influences, and uh, in the um, in the sort of mission brief, I've already uh, talked about how like that 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 cavern of uh, that cavernous kind of uh, um, uh, the, the the tunnel of uh, where Guillermo goes to, you know, or he looks down the awning, but then he obviously doesn't go in, and it's just Mads in there with the five skeletal soldiers. Like that is absolutely from the third man. Like it's the, actually it's the central imagery yep. of that film, you know. When you when you do a Google search, so when I started looking at this, is like whether or not any of this gets tied into. I think a, a film festival that honors honors how eclectic and enriching uh, the man's work uh, is, and how many uh, touchstones and, and Easter eggs and uh, references he includes to films into his works. Like what a worthwhile what a worthwhile endeavor. So I just wanted to get sort of as an open forum because you are the first five human beings I've discussed this with. What do you guys think of um, uh, with every week? We just sort of recap a film or two. It doesn't have to be. We don't actually really have to. But what do you think of that? If um, if if you'd be interested in following along with those dates, if you want to look at the dates, it's uh, it's on the uh, Instagram uh, of everything I put together from November to to to, to January. Um, what do you guys think of? Um, and what's the Instagram called? I don't think I have a link to the Instagram. Oh, okay, cool. Or I, I like, okay. know what it is. Um, that, oh yeah, so I think I posted it in the yeah. If you scroll up and down in the uh, in the in the chat. Okay, it's in the chat. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if you go to the chat. Right. In fact, if everyone could bring that up, and I would love to go through and see um, who's seen what, you know, because that would be really awesome. So I, I'm, I'll I'll post the image again just to make it easier. So has, is everyone able to open the Skype chat? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And obviously all this admin stuff, I'll uh, I'll, I'll edit all this out. So. Feel free to divulge your deepest existential dreads, and uh, <laughs> I'll cut this out. <laughs> right. Awesome. Oh gosh, I'm so tired. As, uh, as long as it's as long as it's posted to the Twitter, also. I mean, I personally just don't use Instagram. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sam. It's that's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's totally easy, and you know what? That actually that works a lot because what that lets me do is um. I in, well, the reason I even like the Instagram is because it's um, it, it, it's like a it's like a push notification thing. If I post something to the Instagram, I'll just take a yeah. little screen capture of it and send it to you. Um, okay, so one second. Yeah. So yeah, um, the thing that I like about Instagram is because if you post it to there, it, it'll say, "Oh, do you want to share this to Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter?" And I'm like, oh, well, if I make Instagram the, the one place where I post things, then I can send it to all these other places. So, But no, I totally understand if you guys, um, you know, if you're happy to uh, 
to, to just like do with the, the Twitter. That's totally fine with me. Um, but yeah, um, actually, you know what? Well, instead of going too deep into it, definitely have a look. It's in the chat. Um, I've got Blade Runner on the 1st of November. I've got The Road Warrior on the 3rd. Uh, Heaven and Hell on the 6th. Taxi Driver on the 9th. 2001 Space Odyssey. City Lights. Beauty and the Beast. The Third Man. Singing in the Rain. <laughs> the Wages of Fear. 12 Angry Men and Canal. Now, um, as you can see, it's super eclectic. And in fact, when I put it together, when I was, uh, you know, compiling it, I actually thought to myself, I have no expectation whatsoever that everyone will watch uh, uh, these exact films on these exact days. In fact, I'm sure many of you have seen um, uh, seen most of them, you know, um, uh, or, or uh, like between the five of you or between whoever gets on the show, I'm sure one person will have seen something that the other hasn't. And so that there's no real need to see it again that week. It's, it would just be interesting to be like, oh, well, uh, you know, for the next three months, I have like a handful of films to, you know, sort of uh, discuss as a topic, you know? So that could be, if you if you guys are into that, then I'm happy to incorporate that into the show. Otherwise it can just be its own standalone thing and then we can just let it be a Reddit thing. So no, are you guys think, happy with that? I think that's definitely a, a great idea. If anything, yeah. film would kind of just idea. be in the spirit of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would be glad to see the movies I haven't seen and rewatch the movies I've seen already. Yeah, so. yeah. I like. Yeah, that. that's def- really cool. I agree too. I definitely would want to. Some of these movies I haven't seen in a long time, and oh, it's yeah. always refreshing when you watch and then watch it again and then talk with other people and actively do that because when well, that's one of the problems now. I I remember uh, with the new Beauty and the Beast movie, I went to watch it with someone, but then they didn't want to talk about it. So I kind of lost some of that enjoyment behind it. Like, well, you know, I talk about it because I actually liked it. You know, just bear with me. And it's like, no, I don't want to talk. I'd, I'd rather just go get some. What that That's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh boy, that's crazy. Okay. She was also well, yeah. crying the entire time. So. <laughs> Say again. She was also crying the entire time, which is probably why she didn't want to talk. Oh wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> um, I actually, when I was showing this list of films, uh, someone they as soon as they saw Beauty and the Beast, is like, "What? Like the 2017 one or the 1994?" It's like, "No, no, no, 1946 Beauty and the Beast." Remember, this is Kojima we're talking about, you know. But again, you know, he one of his favorite films of 2016, I believe, was the Shaun and the Sheep movie by the makers of Wallace yeah. and Gromit. So that man is an enigma, and like, all like, you know. Kudos to him, and kudos to to allowing yourself to be as eclectic as that. Because, as uh, I can't remember which one of you brought it up. Uh, no, actually, yes, it was you, um, Daniele. About you lose fifty percent, you gain fifty percent. It's all relative. And yeah. his his mm-hmm. one advice to Jordan Vogue Roberts when it came to the when it came to the Metal Gear Solid movies, like betray your audience, do it. You know, um, it mm-hmm. it'll create more interesting uh, dynamics between you and them, between you and the subject matter and the project itself. It it's this space of uncertainty, and within the space of uncertainty, we can create the most memorable and worthwhile art. I think. Yeah. Absolutely cool. Well, I have I have to touch on this because he's been retweeting it here and there. We have Stranger Things coming in, which. Look, Stranger Things, oh, God. Tan- tan- tangentially related. Oh, who was it? Actually, no, actually, Steve. Steve doesn't like Stranger Things. Was it you that said you didn't like yep. it? Yep. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't hey, like what it. about it, don't you like? I, I actually awesome. don't like some of the stuff uh, Kojima likes a lot. For example, I don't really <laughs> like uh, things like La La Land. Yeah. Or, uh, okay. Okay. I didn't go crazy for Dunkirk either, so. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> okay. true. 
I can't I can't get behind like Crayon Shinchan. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but it's like this really <laughs> oh, niche. Man, niche. I, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I absolutely love Shinchan. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Should are you would you vouch for it? Would you recommend it? Uh, so here's what's difficult about Shinchan. Um, it's one of those. It, it's simultaneously a parody of essentially everything. It's like a parody of South Park, which is also a parody of children's cartoons, which is also a parody of uh, like social commentary in children's cartoons. It, it's just it's so there's so much depth to just that idea, but yeah. the presentation is so simple. Um, okay. It really depends on the kind of person you are, and I would recommend it to somebody I'm having a drink with, and they're like, I love watching stupid things just because they're stupid sometimes. And I was like, I agree, you should watch Shin Chan. Yeah, I love Aquatine, for example. Is anyone else here an Aquatine person? Oh, then you'll love Shin Chan if you like Aquatine. Not oh, as God. much. I feel like, <laughs> like, okay, it sounds a little conceited, but I feel like Aquatine sometimes a little, gets a little bit too stupid. Of course, one hundred percent. Yeah, totally. And by the way, this is where we start. Um, we just made really good friends, and now as we start discussing like what we like and dislike, we're actually just going to become the worst of enemies. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> I really like that. Like me and Steve are already on the fence. Like I don't know if I could be friends with Steve. No, I'm kidding, Steve. <laughs> You're amazing. It's great. And and again, it's just like 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 what you like. It's totally fine. I'll never hold a judgment on any of you for what you like. Like you know. Um, I mean, I don't do any particular hardcore drugs, but like, go for it. Like, yeah, gosh, just, exactly. so, so happy for you. <laughs> but know. on Crayon yeah. Shinchan, though, that that oh, thing yeah. started in 1992. Did not yeah. rip off a of South Park. Oh, okay. Well, Ooh, I, I was okay. just making the comparison. Yeah, I was just making the comparison in the sense that because it's so satirical and it's a parody in and of itself. Right, uh, right. I guess I should just say, you know, say this, Albert. If watch the first episode. And it'll give you a really good idea of what the series is like. And the good thing is that oh. there's depth to all the characters. Okay. Um, so it's it's really stupid sometimes, but then it touches on some really dark subjects in a playful manner. But you still it still resonates. So okay, yeah. all right. Well, thanks for that for sure. Is it um so I'm again I don't want to make the assumption, but if anyone did have the schedule in front of them and was just like like. Just as similar to how um, Ed just did with Shinchan, if anyone could see anything on this list and say, Albert, like, forget about El Topo, I need you to see Silent Running, or forget about Alphaville, like, you need to see Django right now. Like, um, I know, so uh, you guys are messaging in the Skype right now. I have no idea why. It's, I don't know why. Yeah, it's like, like um, I think it might be because we're on a Skype call. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that's great. Like uh, Louis oh. just dropping the street talk. Um, but there's the thing. Like I, um, I, 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 yeah, I just would love to to see. It, it, actually, you know, Skype can sometimes mess around with when you try to post things at the same time. So uh, that might be an issue that that's happening. But if you just jump jump to the, um, I know it's begrudgingly. If you just go Instagram.com forward slash Death Stranding Podcast. Um, you'll see it there. So um, for me, what I would recommend that I don't know if anyone else has seen it is, um, I mean, a huge recommendation comes uh, for Cinema Paradiso. Uh, that's one that it's it's an oldie, but it's it's really beautiful. It's very poignant and it ties into like if anyone else is like a, a major film filmophile in, in the group, um, that's definitely one for them. I, I'm, I'm yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, uh, I was going to say that uh, I've seen like half of his films and well, they're all like masterpieces. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I mentioned the uh, the right stuff, which I think is a fantastic movie. Hmm. Uh, although it's a four-hour long movie. Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah. I have never seen <laughs> a four-hour long movie. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> yep, it's a four-hour long movie, but it's fantastic. Actually, I I know the movie because of Interstellar. Uh, Nolan talked um, about the influences of. Um, okay. many other filmmakers um, and he mentioned that movie and I saw it and I thought it was great that's that's awesome actually speaking of which you know um, it obviously doesn't have to be constrained to just this article that he wrote in 2004 about like it was just this thing that it, as we've been seeing with Rolling Stone it's almost though he was destined to do this because back in 2004 he published this old article called my favorite films and I just find that very earnest because he's like I've been cre- I think he was in the middle of production on uh, I believe Metal Gear Solid three um when he when he put this together and so just to have him say hell oh, by the way these are the films that influenced me and then from the jordan vogue roberts interview you can see that i think he had like five directors one was charlie chaplin one was um alfred hitchcock stanley kubrick i think spielberg and then there's one other that i keep forgetting um if anyone knows but that's fine if you don't um yeah, that's okay. That's okay. So, but anyway, he always brings up films. Obviously, it's it's Kojima. So, does anyone know about this film called Evolution? It's a 2015 film, um, not the the one with David Duchovny. <laughs> in uh, in 2001. Yeah. You mean the masterpiece Dragon Ball Evolution? <laughs> I am now leaving the phone call, and I just do not want to be. <laughs> I do not want to be on this planet anymore. I thought I would be able to reach a ripe old age without ever hearing the name of that movie again. Um, I will be having haunted dreams tonight. I haven't struggled to get it out of my mouth. (laughs) You need to clean your mouth. The film was like a uh, head and shoulders ad. Yeah. I saw the the trailer (laughs) and grew up a little bit. Um, But no, this uh, lady, she has a very long name, but let me quickly see if I can pronounce it. It's a Polish name. And so she has Lucille okay, yeah. So yeah, Lucille Hadzi Halilovic, right? Which is a Polish, mm. I believe. Um, and uh, the premise essentially, unless does anyone care uh, about uh, like just premise spoilers, so to speak? Again, this is something you would read just in a preview article. Um, do you guys care, or do you want to go in completely blind with this one? No, it's fine. I don't mind. It's all right. You don't mind? Okay, yeah, so evolution yeah. is essentially. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I said you're fine. I said you're fine. How about that? Okay. uh, Oh, thank you. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, so evolution. It's basically uh, very. You'll just see as soon as you look at evolution, like just any screenshots from it, you're like, it just screams Death Stranding. Like there's there's water imagery, there's beach imagery, beachside. There's like um, like uh, you know wistful figures standing looking out at the at the ocean kind of thing. So you immediately see the DNA connection. But then you hear about like what's like it's this island that there's these women that like they're, they're these nurses and the, the island is only populated by sort of uh, young to sort of middle-aged nurses and exclusively young boys like about uh, 10 like 9 to 12 years old and so immediately that that imagery it's like that is super like like uh, quite odd and, and almost a little bit disturbing and what it yeah. basically is it's um uh, you know how he's, you know, Kojima and, and uh, Guillermo del Toro are like tight. They're like obviously from him uh-huh. being featured in. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Guillermo del Toro, he produced a, um, produced and presented, I believe, the movie The Orphanage. Yeah. 
with yeah. El Orfanejo, I think it is, with the directed by J. A. Bayona, who's doing uh, Fallen Kingdom, the the second Jurassic World movie. Um, let's just say there's stuff that happens uh, that is extremely, um, you know, I, we never really talk about Cronenberg, but like. You know that body horror stuff that he started experimenting yeah. with a little bit with PT. Yeah, there's a bit of that stuff uh-huh. happening, and I don't want—I just don't want to spoil it because it's really intriguing, and I would definitely recommend Evolution for that. Um, I just watched Get Out yesterday, which is on Ooh. another level. I, I really loved it. Did anyone watch Get Out? Yeah. I have not seen it yet, but I really want to. Please do. It's uh, again. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Who who to thunk this guy? You know, Jordan Peele. Again, I don't want to cast generalizations because you know some incredible comedians. You know, Robin Robin Williams. He was able to both do all that comedy stuff and then give us some really like The Fisher King by Terry Gilliam. Like that's Robin Gill. That's uh, Robin Williams. So um, yeah. it was, but it was just again equally. It was a great surprise to see this film that came. It's such a tightly, beautifully told story and uh, really speaks to. It's sort of like a, a, a almost like a symbolic like just back the fuck up to, to just that whole, you know, white, white culture, appropriating black culture stuff, you know, it was, um, did you, uh-huh. did you actually, did you watch, uh, Key and Peele, the show? I love Key and Peele. It's so good. Okay. So, okay. So why, why are you asking that question? Because I feel at least with, uh, get out and with, uh, Key and Peele, like Key and Peele is basically a four season long television show version of get out. It, they, they explore, right. they explore the themes they explore yeah. all of the themes. They explore the cultural diversity or lack thereof. And then, you know, just on a more subtle level, just like the slightly terrifying aspects of living as a minority in, yeah. you know, uh, a, a country such as the USA. Like, Absolutely. Well, I'll it, tell you it's why. It's there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all there. Yeah, and I always and I always um whenever I'd see Kean Peel, and I think some of my favorite uh like um, like Eric Andre for example, there's this thing where he is he presents himself as this absurdist and this um uh you know this he's the, this iconoclast of you know he's the, the the talk show host that makes his guests uncomfortable instead of comfortable, um and mm. he again he he has this anguish at his heart and when I'm watching it like it's when my partner for example she'll say look you can just see especially with Jordan like a little bit with um with Keegan Michael Key but with Jordan you can see there's this like he's he's a tortured artist and he even he portrays that like he's always <laughs> he's always like smoking weed and stuff and he's like quite existential compared to Keegan um and the reason why it kind of a little bit came out of you're right it's 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 all there in uh, in the show but we're like it's very you're right it's it's like it's presented it's definitely topical in all of their sketches but uh to see it come out like as as like as such a fully fleshed beautifully directed um uh I, I, again i i don't want to spoil anything but but get out it, you're right it, it, there is that shared dinner but i think it's just how effective he was like i i knew i i knew obviously jordan peele to expect some commentary because that's really at the, the heart of their show i think it was in episode one that they talked about like um you know we're half white half black so obviously that presents all these intriguing opportunities to to you know to straddle both cultures and make commentary on how one culture treats treats the other and it was just i would completely hand it to, to jordan uh, just about how much he was able to just sweep me away and not even make me think and and like to really uh to really like uh, just make me reconsider holy crap well like 
how how did I not see this? Like, and you made a really good observation, Louis. Like, it's all there. So definitely recommend that if anyone hasn't seen it. And also, as you were saying, like Key and Peele, it's such a worthwhile comedic endeavor. Like, um, <laughs> and then also I I I, I name drop Andre um, Eric Andre show. Uh, you know, we were talking about um, Jodorowsky. Um, linking back to Kojima, uh, Eric Andre uh, has is really like close with um, Jodorowsky, and he and he, he actually calls him his spiritual mentor. You know, which is I, I find that really interesting, and they've been like in um, Instagram and Twitter posts together. So I think they have this similar kind of creed of just wanting to shake audiences up. So um, has anyone ever seen the the Eric Andre show? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think of that? I'm all, again, all opinions are safe. To- definitely, if you think he's a complete idiot, that's totally fine. <laughs> I like really absurdist stuff, so I find it really good. Like I yeah. watched um, my favorite one is when he met Alex Jones. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was something else. <laughs> what do you have? You seen uh, Eric Andre Louis? Oh yeah, no, it's um, jeez, it's. <laughs> I've seen the show, and I've also seen select clips that I I can't pull up at work. So I know. <laughs> Of course, that's right. I love how dread, like he he gets so existential. Like there was an entire intro where he was he just had this, and I believed it. I don't think he was actually contrived. I think he 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 presents this uh, this persona where I think for for a second he just completely allowed that that dread of of contrivance of of like of he almost looked like he's he was in mourning for like is this really what we do? Like we flock around. People like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Conan, this fake celebrity thing, and and at one point, because he parodies it aggressively, like he'll he'll do it in mm-hmm. aggressive, like he'll just throw chairs mm-hmm. and destroy desks and anything to kind of upturn that convention and um and be uh you know iconoclastic in that way and subversive, but at one point I think I can't remember what season it was, but he just in usually his intros are really animated and like like aggressive and violent and hilarious but at one point he's almost like in in tears because he's he's like he i think jodorowsky does this too he'll he'll just film someone like just in tears and feeling pure dread and just letting that in because not not enough stories allow us that and i think yeah he cre- he creates comedy from it but like tim and eric do a similar thing where you'll just see these extended anguished characters you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and we laugh at it but uh, also are we all what do we all think of tim and eric here oh man so my favorite skit they ever did was with zach galifianakis with uh when they <laughs> were given that commercial to do on sky vodka that is so great how is they're if all you wearing the wigs seen, and everything? Yeah, you ha- if you haven't seen it, watch it because it is one of the most ridiculous things you'll ever see. But it's funny because Sky Vodka was like, "Hey, here's our vodka. Yeah. Do whatever you want on your show with it as long as you advertise this." And they're like, I "Okay," know. and they made it into this like pseudo housewife jikwak scenario that's just <laughs> awful. I know. Really funny. Just mm. oh gosh, I don't. I can't even actually, begin to explain. You just re- you just made me think of something again. Isn't this isn't it great how things can tie back into things? But um, uh, you know, I don't know if there was much product placement with any of the Metal Gear Solid stuff. But you know, Death Stranding itself will be a Sony owned IP, um, and it's got mm-hmm. Sony's backing in terms of like finances and stuff. Like it's it's an interesting relationship. Like Kojima Productions itself is independent, but I'm pretty sure. And please debunk me if it's um. If it's not the case, I believe that Sony will own the Death Stranding IP, or will that be a Kojima Productions IP? No, no, no. It will be a Sony IP. It's yeah. uh, it's already yeah. clear that. 
Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, a good thing. Um, I mean, I'm really glad about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. By by by, uh, Kojima Productions being a Sony published studio, they're essentially first party, and so you treat Kojima Productions the same way you treat Naughty Dog or uh, okay. Sony Santa Monica. Uh, they're all, you know, their own thing, but, you know, as far as corporate is involved, they're, they're, they're part of Sony. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that actually made me yeah, actually go ahead, Ed. Oh yeah. They're creatively independent for sure. Um, okay. but as far as the IP goes, it's, you know, it, it won't be, it doesn't seem like it would be sold off to anyone or taken away from, you know, that initial developer. Yeah. Do you actually, I want to feel this. Do you believe that, um, that uh, all of the actors and act and yeah, all of the actors rather uh, that will be featured in Death Stranding are just they're not going to be kind of created from just like a mesh. Uh, they they're just they're actually going to just all be um, actors from uh, like and just scanned in the same the same way as Norman and uh, and Mads. Do you think that that's a, a, a sort of benchmark that he's setting? Is like I, I've, I'm done with uh, just designing people out of nowhere. I think. We're just going to go with scanned actual people. Do you think that that's going to happen? Well, regardless of them being scanned, they they still have to be turned into that mesh. They have to be, you know, brought in and optimized. They can't be this super high poly like person walking around because the PlayStation's. <laughs> I I mean I I don't know the exact hardware specifications of the PlayStation, but it's probably not going to be happy. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it'll it'll certainly prove itself as a, a benchmark for what is possible and what future developers will be capable of doing. Um, but, you know, it, it's like with any sort of scanning technology, there's going to be some errors. Uh, you'll yeah. always have to fix animations. You'll always have to kind of, uh, you know, massage it through. Mm. Actually, I wanted to ask from a game development point of view, Louise, that um, the... The idea of it being as open world as he's saying, I'm, I'm assuming Kojima, just by the virtue of being Kojima, he wants to have an open world that's going to be larger than, than Horizon. And I think Horizon, I still have this magical moment. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I have this uh, you know, stack of games from you know, PlayStation 4, and, I, and I, I, I can acknowledge that we've, we've reached a new benchmark. Like, for example, Battlefront 2. When I see Battlefront 2, I'm taken aback by, by how, like, the leaves, you know, the simulation of, like, what's being possible with photogrammetry, for example. But there's just something about when I sit down with Horizon that I have this very childlike moment of, like, wait a second, I can't see any pixels. Like, there's no aliasing whatsoever. Um, <laughs> what is that? And so what would you say as a game developer uh, would be one of the challenges that um, Kojima would face in trying to make the world? Because it really seems like, like Kojima, like, sorry, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, they, they pushed it to its... To its limit um like for example like and also they created like aloy that's not a scan i think they based it on an actress but do you think mm -hmm. that they they'd be able to improve that and what, what do you think like kojima's approach might be towards um, trying to take that like similar to the next level well um i guess really the the challenge that i would see uh pretty much would be um you know defining the limits of everything uh, many games have tried to say that, oh, in our game you can do anything. Um, you know, Spore, uh, people like to rag on Peter Molyneux uh, with the kind of stuff that he likes to put out. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to define, like, what is everything? Uh, and so I guess from, you know, a designer standpoint or a player standpoint, it's 
well, in this game, in this universe that we've been presented so far, uh, what will I be satisfied with being able to do? And so, you know, based off the environment, the props, the, the, the characters, it's just like, if, I, if I'm not able to do this thing to them, then, ooh, that, that's going to be a game-breaking experience <laughs> for me. It's, it's sort of how, and I like to jump back to MGS5 because I think they did the open world very well. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, you, you don't just have to kill people. You can, you know, <laughs> you can put them to sleep. You can, you know, do CQC, knock them out, that kind of thing. You have all of the capabilities that you should have in your arsenal available to you and you can use those to your effect and they do something. Um, so really uh, what Kojima does with that is going to be interesting to sort of see, especially when we start seeing gameplay teasers, uh, if he decides to release those. Mm. And, um, I, I, yeah, yeah. I and I guess mean. towards building people, uh, if you haven't already seen uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, I has have. a lot of development videos on how they did that. And I got to see some of yep. their eye and face tracking stuff at GDC this year. Oh. And it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like they I even beat I... out like Pixar, Naughty Dog and Google in terms of like um, at SIGGRAPH. They would do um, mm -hmm. just like the yeah. Mecca for animation. They like beat them all out with their real time um, cinematography tech. Also, I'm just a huge fan of Hellblade. Like, I'm the, also the moderator of the Hellblade subreddit. Oh, I've put, oh, like, yeah, 70 yeah. hours into the game. Right. Um, <laughs> and the game's, like, six yeah. hours long. Mm. So, yeah. Wait, what's well, sorry? I was that just saying, I, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go that's ahead. the great thing about Sinuas. That, that was a, a great, a, a very good-looking independent game. Yes. You know. Agreed. And, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah, that that the game was so that was awesome. Um, the way the the world looks and everything. And actually, um, one of the problems that I had with the Phantom Pain was the feeling of the world. It's not mm -hmm. it's not as much um, because of the AI or the NPCs, but I don't know. I had a problem with the world feeling kind of empty. You know, it is um, empty. Yeah. I don't know if you guys you you guys remember like the first mission of MGS Four where you go to this war zone in the Middle East. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you kind of arrive there and, and uh, you, it's effectively a, a, a war zone. There are like two factions fighting each other and, and killing each other. And the first thing Otakon tells you is like, um, listen, we, we don't need to engage these people. You can just ignore them and go to Liquid's compound and find out what's going on. You still can kill them and you can still uh, tranquilize them or do whatever. Um, but the good thing about that level is how real it feels. It feels like these NPCs yeah. are not there just because of you. And the with the Phantom well, Pain, I remember them. Yeah, with the Phantom Pain, it's like the complete opposite. I feel like it's like the complete opposite. The the NPCs, there are like you have this huge open world uh, with many combat, uh, like enemy bases and uh, enemy combat posts, but I mean the NPCs feel like they're just there because of you. Like their sole purpose is like waiting for you <laughs> and that's like criticism that i have towards the end of the phantom pains like open world um but yeah yeah no so yeah go ahead i think um was it uh josh did you want to speak i i just saw one of the icons light up go ahead all right yeah i was just gonna say that i actually liked the barrenness of mgs5's open world because i felt that it served like its purpose like um 
when you drop down for a mission, you're just there to do that mission. Once you do it, your purpose there is done. You get out, go back to Mother Base. It kind of like feels into the idea of the PMCs and like how robotic and arbitrary their lives are. And like, you know, and it, it had like this oppressive kind of feel to it. I, I so felt. it's like a, it's like Maybe a, it was unintentional. No, actually, I was yeah. just gonna say. So, so you're saying it's like a uh, like a mechanic, like a mechanic that serves to deepen a narrative conceit. Yeah, like in a meta way. Um, it might not have been intentional. I might be just I might be just looking into it a bit too much. But that's how I felt, and I felt like it worked. Also, the AI in the game, like the enemies, I felt they did have a lot of interactivity. Like you see them driving around from base to base. If you attack um, another, if you attack like an outpost and then, like, get alerted. You'll see enemies drive in from other bases, which leave that the other base open for attack. It had a lot of, um, I felt, dynamism to mm. the, the enemy AI, at least. Mm. I felt it was, the barrenness I did not feel was overwhelming. So, yeah, again, I didn't spend too much time in the open world as well, because there wasn't really a point. No, I, yeah, I think we'd love to hear, yeah, right. actually. No, sorry, I was just going to say, I would love to hear everyone sort of riff on, on what Josh was saying. Um, but, yeah, go ahead, Ed. Yep. I was just going to say, uh, I, I totally agree. And I don't think that you're, you know, overstepping any or anybody on anything when it comes to the Phantom Pain as far as the NPCs and the open world goes, because I felt the same way. Uh, mm. it, it felt very empty um, for a lot of reasons, not because there wasn't a lot going on. And sure, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, dynamic action from the enemies. But the I think what was missing from the Phantom Pain is that there was no friendlies. You know, there's nobody you can yeah. talk to yeah. out in the map. Because it, it, that's one of the things you see. It's one of the tropes of a lot of open world games at this point is that you can mm -hmm. go to restock on something, to go talk to someone, to trade something. You know, there's mm -hmm. always someone you can talk to and get to know that character on a very yeah. basic level. Whether it's Again, a I, just a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that, that there was no friendlies there because, you know, as um, Ocelot says in the beginning, you know, the whole world wants you dead. You know, you feel like everyone in there is out to get you, even the animals. No one yeah. is your friend in there. The only friends you have are back in Mother Base. So you do your mission, you get out, and you go back home and chill. Mm. And chill. I, I, yeah, but still, I mean, I mean, still, uh, when you arrive in, Af in Afghanistan, you're told, like, okay, you're in the middle of this Soviet invasion, and there are, like, these Mujahideen uh, Afghan rebels that are fighting the invaders. Uh, but you never see them. Yeah, You even take jobs for them, but you never see them. Yeah. So that's like a, a problem that I have too. I mean, it, it yeah. would be awesome. For example, you arrive in, in, in the helicopter and you go, uh, you're walking towards the um, mission objective or whatever, and you start hearing like gunshots or something. And maybe there is a random, uh, like a, a random fight against, uh, I mean, from the Afghans guys and, and the Soviets or something. And I don't know. I think it would have been interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect, because I agree as well. And there's, it did lack a certain um, believability in certain respects. Like there wasn't a lot of environmental storytelling, which is really, really important for open world. I agree. Like, it didn't really feel lived in. I kind of just felt uh, like it was created. Like it, it was, it just felt like a sandbox. Kind of look mm. like it too, which is like my issue. sandbox, you know, because of all yeah. the sand. Yeah. Mm. It's with a couple of animals in it and uh, needles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Um, also, yeah, I just had to grab, I'm just so curious now. Um, so Daniela and Louise uh, would love to hear what you think about um, the, the Death Stranding's potential approach to environments as compared to the Phantom, uh, so the Phantom Pain. Well, as I said, I hope it will be um, um, kind of like Breath of the Wild, in, in meaning not, not like Breath of the Wild, but with the same approach. I mean, trying to make an open world that really feels um, full of stuff you can do um, uh, with, um, yeah, that, that kind of approach that is different from the, pan the Phantom Pain. But again, the Phantom Pain... Um, like I think Josh said, uh, presented um, um, a story, uh, a place like Afghanistan that was meant to be like a desert barren with a few things in there. Uh, but I hope for that training that will be different, even because we've seen the, the power of the Desma engine, as you guys pointed out. It's really amazing. And uh, I mean, Kojima Production is still developing that engine. They're developing them together, I mean, Guerrilla Games and Kojima Productions, so I really think we'll see wonders out of our PS4 and we'll, we'll be left like with, uh, I don't know if you remember when The Last of Us came out, we were all amazed how much things they could do with a, such a not powerful console as the PS3 was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, awesome. Uh, go ahead, Luis. Yeah, um, I think with Death Stranding, uh, I mean, this is just my guess slash hope, is that they kind of double down on uh, environmental storytelling, as well as, you know, breaking down the open world experience into linear bits. Um, I mean, someone brought up the scenario in MGS4 of, you know, immediately starting in that space and then you don't have to fight any of the people, but it's like that is the linear game. They didn't have to design anything outside of that and so they could be as explicit as they wanted. Um, yeah. But with with uh, with a game like Horizon, you have all of these locations. You go to these uh, like the cauldrons and all of these little towns that got ransacked and you see like, oh, I know what happened here. I know what happened there. In MGS5, it's kind of just like, here's the barren desert, you know, here's like, uh, here's this one desert fortress that all the Russian soldiers are holed up in, uh, in Afghanistan, and you're kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, but considering that, um, that Koji Pro started actual full production on Death Stranding in 2017, uh, but they've been around for like two years, you know, it makes me believe that, you know, they spend a lot of time uh, not only doing like location scouting and script writing, but also pre-production, which is super important. Um, and so if they have all of this planned already, which I mean, if it was anyone I'd trust with that, it'd be Kojima. Um, then they're probably executing as quickly and as tightly on that experience as possible. Um, because yeah. there's only so much you can leave to just being open and random in an open world before you yeah. come back to actually designing it. I actually think that, um, uh, as you were saying, you know, I, my hope as well is that we do dip into like linear narrative bits well, with, without compromising that ambition of having the open world. Because what I think that um, MGS5 um, was able to do was that um, it actually took advantage of its legacy. It took advantage of the fact that I have, we have this established lore, we have this established um, 
uh, storyline and and also the, the the tropes and conventions of that series, which had to do with these. Um, you know, for me, Metal Gear Solid. Even though I I absolutely embrace Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, you know, into into my heart and and it is incorporated into my love of the entire saga. Uh, I still think that Metal Gear Solid. When I think of its DNA, I think of that encounter with Gray Fox in the in the hallway. You know, and you see that sort of the bloodied hallway. Uh, I think uh, Metal Gear Solid, um, the first one, it. it it had to it had to set those parameters maybe even you know i think kojima constantly said that I've, always, I've always had these um i've always had these ambitions of of expanding the idea of what a game is but there was this recognition especially in that first metal gear solid that he had certain he had some he had certain things that he had to uh, to do like with setting up the world so i think um death stranding will be served um, best if it does reincorporate some of what that original metal gear solid did which is have these um cutscenes and have these um have these, uh, you know, again, without going full Metal Gear Solid 2, which was a criticized for having too many, I, I just think that um, it would be, in setting up Death Stranding as a brand new IP and as a brand new story, it would definitely be served um, in in incorporating the, the linear aspect again. Again, it, it, within within reason, in a, in a similar vein to, to Horizon Zero Dawn, which I think balanced it quite perfectly. I don't know what anyone else thinks. Um, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, I hope they I hope they bring uh, boss fights back the way we knew them from Metal yes. Gear, the first Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Imagine like an interdimensional kind of. Uh, I mean, Mads, yeah, for example, sure. he, he comes to mind as a villain, but he's insisted that he isn't one, and I actually believe him. I insist that, like, I think in a similar way to like uh, Adam Driver saying that, look. Uh, Kylo Ren isn't the villain to him. Like um, the best villains are the are the ones who think that they're the heroes of their own story. And I see that Mads is totally capable in terms of acting and in, in, in terms of um, sort of his over. He's shown himself to be capable of um, of you know straddling that spectrum. Like with Hannibal, for example, he's the antihero, and we could be seeing a, a tale of two antiheroes. Like it was clear that Liquid was the evil. Um, half, you know, but um, if we did see a tale of two antiheroes, uh, do you guys believe that we will be playing um, not just as Norman, with that we could be jumping into Mads as well? Mm, yeah, I never thought about that possibility, maybe. Hmm. I think that's possible, but I'm still open to the idea that there is going to be a heroine included in the game. Yes, he's, he's said that too. Between the two. Yeah, all the scannings they've been doing recently, um, or not too recently, but um, that, yeah, it was alluded to on his Twitter and everything, and Yong did a bunch of analysis on that, on who it could be. Um, and he's mm -hmm. actually said that it's waiting, It's we're, we're going to reveal her very soon, you know. Yeah. yeah. The game is a Probably year. Stephanie Houston. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Stephanie Houston. Yeah, the waifu yes. of 2015, Metal Solid 5. Yeah. Well, she said yeah. no comment when she was asked about it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Also, I'm getting some awesome uh, flatulent-sounding background noises. I'm sure it's just the chair, but I'm just saying. It's picking <laughs> it up. <laughs> Someone went to... That's the go, cutting go, of go, crystal go. meth. <laughs> yeah, it might have been that. Uh, yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's too good. Oh, is everyone... Okay, Um, let's do a quick little time zone thing. So it's 7.15 p.m. here in Australia. Go, everyone, just, like, shout out. Uh, 9.15 here. 9.15 in the BST and uh, Louis? Uh, BST, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 1.15 uh, uh, a.m. here. 1.15, 3.15, and then Daniela? 10.15 a.m. Okay, guys, we're at 2 we're at 2015. I think that's the second episode in the bag. 
Yeah. Sounds you know what good. I mean? Again, we're just yeah. being kind of gradual about it. I'm totally open down the line to getting into the three and four hour ones. I mean, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to, um, uh, uh, you know, making, making Star making Star Wars, you know, that's, I love that podcast a lot. Um, they can sometimes yeah. stray quite heavily. In fact, I, I've actually had to turn off some of their podcasts because they just get in too, too much of, they just go too astray, you know? And, um, <laughs> and, and if you guys, and again, this is speaking to the audience as well. We would love to hear your feedback about what the sort of ideal kind of target length is. If you're happy for us to keep riffing, again, um, it's just a determination. Uh, it's incorporating much how Kojima does. He just incorporates everything. He, he's happy to kind of hear hear everything about like what the creators themselves think and then what the audience thinks. So I think that's um, it. Only it only befits doing that with with our own. And then if if you if anyone had any particular thoughts about um, run times and stuff, then I'm happy with that. And then. Clearly, again, just between you five, um, run times is also important for like sleep and other things that life, uh, that, life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that 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 is uh, important to life. So, but if everyone is is kind of happy with that, I'm happy to, to tie the knot on that and then just go straight into the uh, social media shoutouts just so that we can uh, let people know. But did anyone have any kind of closing thoughts um, to share before we sort of tie tie this tie the knot on this one? Uh, well, that's a quick thought. Um, since Kojima did say that, that he wants to release this game quite early, yeah. um, well, he doesn't want to spend too long developing, I should say. So it's apparently, um, when it, it'll come out before the new Akira film, 2019, I yeah, think was the ballpark. in 2020. I wouldn't count Yeah, that. Yeah. So if he's going to make like a huge open world, it's going to be pretty, pretty difficult to... Um, make it like before in about two three years yeah so we'll see i'm, I'm personally thinking 2020 uh but steve you still yeah. think that that's a little bit too close yeah yeah um, i'm also thinking 2020 it's like it's like the case with uh with the cyberpunk game uh, i mean <laughs> these games oh, yeah. are not coming at 2018 they're too like yeah i mean kojima just tweeted something like um starting development or something do you remember that yeah, that's like, like yeah. three days like ago. Entering yeah. full development, I'm like, wow, if you've only entered yeah. now. Yeah, you know, and we both know how he likes it. He says he can constantly gets new ideas every day. And um, I think he was being optimistic when he said, oh, uh, uh, before the Akira movie, before uh, 2020 um, Tokyo Olympics. Olympics. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, one thing I have to say is that Kojima's always been very clear about um, how um, organized he is. I mean, he has a full schedule for the development of the game and is following that and he knows exactly when the game will come out. So even though yeah he gets he constantly gets new ideas, but I think we should trust him about release dates because um the guy seems like a very organized person. Oh, actually, yeah, you just reminded me that um, one of the things I wanted to revisit with this one, I'll, I'll, I'll just make it a very brief comment so that I can let um, uh, everyone else um, sort of do their sign-off. But what it occurred to me when I was reading this this article recently, it was the, the February article, which is Kojima. It's like in Rolling Stone, it says, uh, uh, I want to create games until I die. If you just Google that, you'll find it. And what he touches on is that mm -hmm. um, uh, he was happy to do he had, was he was really really happy to find decima because he said this he actually made it emphasize like this will allow me instead of having to do what i did with the fox engine and create that from scratch um because we're able to step into and then collaborate with uh um 
I was about to say Guillermo del Toro, Gorilla Games, <laughs> um, on on the on the game engine that it lets us kind of uh, accelerate that and um, not as in rush, but that it just he's he's able to enter this really kindred work, this kindred collaborator. Also, I need to highlight this. I need this uh, as part of the record of this podcast. How awesome was it to find out that you know this allegiance with this Netherlands studio called Decima which is so connected to the, the Dejima outpost uh, for when, you know, uh, yeah. Japan was mm-hmm. like quite xenophobic and that it didn't want to uh, kind of associate with, you know, too many external cultures and that there was this bond that was forged between Japan and the Netherlands and how that's being carried forward with this company that's yeah. named after, the, named after the, the goddess of childbirth as well. It's like, I'm so happy when it sort of ties together, you know, it's really great. Yeah. Mm. That's great, okay awesome well that's um we've had two sign-offs anyone else wanted to um just um, just touch on anything before we left interested in seeing what kojima puts out there as the uh game season starts for 2017 yes um, i don't i don't know how many of you sort of keep up with release schedules but uh like past the end of October, pretty much like you do not pitch to publishers. You don't. <laughs> you, you don't even think about releasing your small little game that hasn't been announced yet because all the heavy hitters just start coming out, and Assassin's then holidays Creed. come around. So yeah, um, we got we got a Assassin's yeah, Creed. We got wonder, Mario. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh, Mario, dude. I <laughs> I don't even have a Switch, but it might be what you know pushes me over the edge. Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm just excited to see how he takes Koji Pro through that being more independent and more kind of uh, free-flowing with, I guess, how they're doing marketing. Okay, awesome. And then I have, I want to start a bet with everyone, um, and we have obviously one more sign-off to do, but uh, um, I want to start a bet of when anyone thinks that the next um, Hideo Tube episode will be released, because at this stage, it's been over uh, six or seven months, I think, um, and uh, yeah, I just, I'm taking bets, so go for it. Uh, uh, well, I, I say, think... I, oh, okay, you, you go first. Okay, okay. Uh, I think um, it's a pretty safe bet to say it will be right after the new trailer releases, so whenever Kojima can say something more about the game. So I'm thinking after the Game Awards slash BSX. Yeah. That I actually, I thought actually it's really cogent reply. I was expecting something more outlandish from you, Daniela, considering the hour. Like, you should be completely sleep-deprived right now. Why are you being so rational? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, just me being me. explain yourself how can you be so cogent and and uh, and scented okay all right no that's a really good bet um i I would actually sort of just throw my weight behind that bet as well anyone else have any uh, thoughts i think uh right after christmas if not early january i think i think he's uh willing to wait for all of the greatness to happen because we're you know anything star wars you know and everything passed in december Yes, uh, that's, people, that makes you know, sense. The movies, all the all the game releases have already been out, and there's that 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 small, if you want to call it this, that small uh, window, uh, yeah. if you will, where everybody's just kind of done with the year, and we're just waiting for the new year to start, and there's not any real marketing that's being pushed, you know, because it's post Black Friday. So at that point, I think that's when he's gonna at least have that mm-hmm. next episode, just to kind of re- not really something too critical, but just enough to keep us 
you know, on that fishing line. Ah, that's really, that's really plausible. Definitely. So we've got Daniela, we've got Ed. Um, so um, I want to hear Louise, Steve and Josh go for it. When do you guys think and, and what's your thoughts behind the next episode of TDO Tube? Uh, well, my bet was exactly the same as Daniela's. So. Okay. Okay. So you're just like me. Okay. How about you, Louise? So I stole your thoughts. Yeah, you did. You, you did. stole my thoughts. <laughs> he he psychomantised you, man. Yeah. The body smack. You're pretty violent. Yeah. I know. Philosophical power, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Have you ever taken the test yourself, Mr. Deckard? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Louis, I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking also. Uh, I'm thinking also January. Um, okay, okay, I actually, I actually hope there is no like big trailer, but actually, I, I hope he makes something like a viral video or something that he releases in some obscure website. Oh, okay. uh, so an AR kind of <laughs> AR yeah. rather, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, I think that's everyone. I mean, I can't remember, Lewis. Did you tell us yours? Your sort of mini prediction. Oh, uh, in terms of timing. Yeah, of when just again, you know how with like games, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, is like the the rollout of the marketing and how everything is sort of done by stages. Is like we can't talk about this yet, we can't talk about that yet. Um, do you think we will see anything this year in terms of like either a video tube or like yeah, a trailer? I suppose. Yeah, I think it definitely we're gonna see something in December. Uh, he's not going to let us close out 2017 with no info whatsoever <laughs> i was gonna get uh, the same thing <laughs> yeah um and then you know for for optimist sake i would love to see something you know around halloween just because i think that's that's yeah. just a, a nice little spooky anything goes kind of holiday let's yeah. let's get the the kids all spoopy as they say <laughs> yeah <laughs> so paris games week Oh, look at you saying Paris. So Paris Games Week. Maybe let's let's all just say it like the way you said it instead of saying Paris. Look at me. I'm sophisticated. Well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Guys, this was super enjoyable. Actually, I better do my yeah. proper full sign off. Wait, and okay, okay. So. All right, so uh, like I'll just—it's always great to do a shout out. If you guys have any um, anyone who you appreciate getting a shout out, either someone who's like a DeviantArt artist who you think makes really great stuff, or a content creator of any kind, you have any anyone wanted to shout anyone out, including yourselves. Um. Yeah, shout myself out. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity in our first like official shout-out section uh, to shout ourselves out. Yes. And this goes along with where you can find us at, which is twitter.com forward slash deathstrandpod, which you can't write the whole Death Stranding podcast. It's too long. So twitter.com deathstrandpod, um, instagram.com forward slash deathstrandingpodcast. Uh, Facebook is um, facebook.com forward slash uh, interactive artistry. And then for the YouTube, I have my old URL, which I think as soon as we hit, we hit 100 subs, we can change it to whatever we want. So at the moment, it's youtube.com forward slash, uh, forward slash Tweety Gamer. Um, and uh, then we also have uh, deathstrandingpodcast.tumblr.com, uh, which I actually I was very pleased with the template I was able to put together for that. And um, at the top, it just says sticks, ropes, and space time, which is essentially... <laughs> Death Stranding, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so please do follow our outlets for Kojima and Kojima affiliated content and updates. Um, did anyone uh, from this panel, which it is, and I really hope to have you all back uh, for the next episode. Do you think that's kind of a fair 
a fair thing to expect that um, anyone is looking at the next Saturday being occupied too much. Like mine, for example, I, I might actually be traveling that Saturday if you want to. We'll sort it all out in the Skype group later. But will you all of you sort of be able to confirm that you'll be able to be back? Or it's totally fine if you're I'll not. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. yeah, I can, yeah. yeah. As long as I'm not crunching. Yeah, as long as we're not yeah. crunching, true. Awesome. And yeah, um, yeah. so I'll probably list it on the one of our outlets uh, if anyone on this panel wants to share their um, social media stuff. But if you did want to have anything to, to share um, in terms of um, social media handles, uh, was any anyone wanting to do that or not? Yeah, I've got nothing I want to shout out. That's <laughs> Listen, we all, have things we, we all have things we don't want to share, okay? But this isn't about you, all right? We yeah. think about... <laughs> We need to think about the elucidation of our incredibly engaged and rapt audience who, if you are listening to the podcast at this stage, you know, we're about two hours and a half in. Totally kudos to you and you get a virtual uh, fist bump from me. So <laughs> as a closing note, everyone, we are always looking to improve the quality of the show and tailor it to the audience. So to make it the very best Death Stranding slash Kojima show it can be so that it may one day be worthy of growing and expanding by a patron, for example. So please... If you have any feedback that you'd like to share, do reach out to the aforementioned outlets. Um, yeah, take care, everyone. And remember, the game has already begun. I said the one about the scarecrow, haven't I? Have I? The one I said, why did the scarecrow win the Nobel Prize? Because he, he, he was outstanding in his field. Uh, oh, yeah. oh. oh. <laughs> wow. Do you realize that I'm like a technological guru, that I can convert anything into anything? That's who I am. Yeah. yeah. I'm capable of <laughs> Ed. Also, yeah, I'm, also, I'm really, when I'm really hungry and when I get hungry, I, I get a bit like, just like I lash out. So I'm just saying.